You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of Off Book, presented by Broadway Black. We're here to hit our marks, and we're going to do it right now. I'm Donye Love. I'm Chris Herbie Holland. And I'm Christopher Betts. Yes, you heard it right. We have Chris and we have Chris up in this place. Uh, And so Drew is away. He is actually in tech right now as we speak uh, for the first Deep Breath, uh, directed by Lee Edward Colston. Yes. Directed by Maliko Yateman is going to be running at the National Black Theater from February 13th to February 17th. Mm -hmm. And make sure if you did not already get your tickets for this beautiful black ass just play that just loves on black people and like so much fullness and so much nuance so make sure you get your tickets for that I'm that's going. why Drew is in I'm here going. come on through <laughs> and uh, we know Amber uh, who is no longer Princess Amber Amon but she's now Queen Amber Amon um, <laughs> she is over in uh, LA with Witness Uganda mm-hmm. that actually just opened I think maybe a day or two yeah. ago yeah. Um, so while my niggas are away um, this nigga's gonna be up in here and we just gonna play yeah. we gonna have a good old time I love it come love through it. and so I said I we have um, and literally as I was uh, walking to meet one of the Chris's, I was like, oh shit, it's going to be three Chris's up in here. We have our two Chris's that you can hear right now. Then we have our try and true uh, Chris, our sound engineer. So I was like, I don't know how a nigga's going to navigate all of these Chris's. Um, but come on through. We're so uh, You can point. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. like the, the little, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do like Chris H, I'll do Chris B. I don't know. Maybe I'll just say like last names. Um, So why don't you tell the people um, about yourselves? Let's start with uh, Chris H. Okay. Tell the people about yourselves, who you are, all of that good old jazz. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Chris Herbie Holland already said that. I'm from Oakland, California. Um, Come through. Let's see. uh, I went to Dartmouth College. I moved out to New York City uh, August of 2011 to start to hustle the streets and you know get my name out there mm-hmm. with the uh, with the uh, the mindset of you know hopefully getting into grad school and, and pursuing my dream of acting, which I finally did get into in 2016. So uh, and I'm about to graduate this year, class yes. of 2019, NYU grad acting. Let's yes. get it! Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited to finally hit the pavement and 
start making some paper and getting a bag and paying back all these loans. Child. And, you know, living my best life. Live your best possible yes. life. Yes. Live your best possible life. So um, can you just talk a little bit about, um, and so you're, in, in my opinion, being extremely modest. I think you're an amazing actor. Um, we did a piece together last year for um, Juilliard and NYU came together and created a home base. Mm -hmm. um, and... I wrote a piece. It was just one uh, character, and you were yes. the one character yes. the entire time. <laughs> yes. And you were so amazing. Um, so could you just, I guess, uh, tell the people a little bit about your journey um, into acting? What made oh, you want to be an actor? Yeah, I mean, I was, um, you know, I grew up in Oakland, um, and like it was, it was rough. So. Uh, I would spend a lot of time like not trying to go back home. Uh, usually on the weekends, I would try to stay out in uh, El Cerrito, which is sort of like a suburb of um, Richmond and Berkeley, where my high school was. And I would commute like an hour in mm -hmm. every single day from Oakland to go to school. And on the weekends, uh, specifically on Fridays, me and my friend group would go to you know movie theaters and go do like a Friday night movie. And uh, I really got um, enamored with storytelling and acting and I thought I wanted to be a film director um, and I worked with a lot of I did community theater as a way to like check off you know the box that you need for uh, for um, for college uh -huh. you know to do like you need to do your little community service or whatever yeah. so <laughs> I remember pitching um, and volunteering at this community theater thinking that if I wanted to be a film director I would have to learn how to work with actors and there was this one play that we were doing called and then there were none by Agatha Christie mm. and the director needed somebody to play this small little bit role and she came up to me and was like yo can you and the other stagehand do this like you'll be pulling the curtain and running props and lights and everything but if you can do this you know one role you and him will switch off every other night um and it was like my first time I mean it, it's community theater but I took it as like oh my first little professional mm. thing I didn't know what the hell I was doing I was timid and everything but I remember going out on stage for like the first night and I, I said my one little line which is like uh uh hear your back sir something like that and, come through uh, one little line okay. exactly. come through one little exactly. line all you need is one little line <laughs> yes like, commit just commit actor and uh and I got this little chuckle exactly from the audience <laughs> and that's when I knew I was like oh man I could really uh, I can uh I, I can hide in this and I can be mm. a chameleon in this and I can maybe sort of figure out how I can uh you know, get out uh get out some demons or, or mm. learn how to broadcast my pain in a way that it can be like beneficial towards me instead of like holding it in and letting it calcify or atrophy or um, you know, turn me into something that I'm not, like make me harder than what I want to be. Mm. And so, um mm -hmm. after that I kinda I kind of knew. Okay, I think uh, I, I think acting is is on my path for me, and I ended up getting into Dartmouth College on a full scholarship. Come through, like, thank you. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm a. I think I want to pursue acting here, and so uh, I was an acting major at Dartmouth. And I mean, it was it was hard. It was hard looking back on it. Like that was I, I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand like how insidious like racism and white supremacy are in these white institutions Child. like when i got there it was a full scholarship you know they bring me on the bus for like the dimensions weekend where they bring up all the prospective students and you know you see all this victorian architecture and you know 
white people playing frisbee on the lawn and all these dogs running. I mean, I ain't never seen all this white shit. All this white, all this white shit, basically. <laughs> That's like, what it sounds like oh, to me. Oh damn! Like this is and at the time playing like, backgammon. Oh. Exactly. Like, oh, this isn't white shit. This is like th- this is the shit that I'm supposed to be doing. Ooh. And then you get there and you start to mm. you start to realize, you know, the the things that are said on board at Baker, you know, that are you know very homophobic and racist and misogynist and transphobic and queer antagonistic and you got all mm. these different systems going on there that I really didn't know how to deal with at the time so um, I ended up having like a small little mental breakdown I guess you can't call it small I ended up having a mental breakdown Ooh. at college in my junior year and I wanted to drop out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I called my mom I said like, I can't do this no more and mm. I need to leave and I ended up taking a, a semester off my winter semester off and I acted wow. in my first professional play um, Come through, Beauty of the Father, mm-hmm. and uh, and then from there I ended up uh, applying to um, conservatory programs, and I applied to Central School of Speech and Drama in London, which I ended up getting into, mm-hmm. and I applied to Lambda, and I applied to NYU undergrad, and I made up my mind I was just gonna leave school, leave Dartmouth, and uh, and go to NYU undergrad, and uh, my professors and you know. Uh, higher ups pulled me aside and was like, I don't really think this is a good move for you. Like you just about to, you only got one year left. You here on a school full scholarship. This is mm-hmm. like an Ivy League education. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just stay here one more year? You just grind it out. We'll help you do whatever things you want to do. And then you should apply to grad school because, you know, the, these small little undergraduate conservatories are more like, they're like conveyor belts. They just mm-hmm. turn out these actors. But, you know, what you really want is attention and, mm-hmm. and you know, a, a focus on a craft that, you know, can someday lead you to uh, a practice that you can rely on and and hopefully, you know, bring in some revenue and have the lifestyle that you want to have. So I came to um, – so backtrack. So in my senior year, I auditioned for um, Yale School of Drama, Juilliard, and NYU grad mm-hmm. and I got to the final 40 at Juilliard I got waitlisted at Yale mm-hmm. and I got to a day call back at NYU and so that sort of you know fueled me yeah. to be like okay I can I can sort of mm-hmm. make this happen so um, I came to New York City with the intention of just treading water and, and you know doing these odd side jobs and hustling and temp work and coat check and catering and being a, a runner at a Michelin star restaurant and just treading water, treading water, treading water. And so in 2011, I did those three. I took, I didn't take a year off. 2012, I just auditioned for Yale, and I just got an interview but didn't get in. I took 2013 off. Mm-hmm. 2014, I did all three again, Yale, Juilliard, and NYU. I got to the final round of NYU grad acting, a regular callback at Juilliard, a regular callback at Yale. Then I took 2015 off. Mm. And then 2016, I applied to those three again. And uh, that was going to be like my last hurrah because with these grad institutions, they really only want to see your ass three times. Yeah. And like, we'd, okay, we've seen you enough. And, and it's, they ain't it, to do this. It's a dub. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 2016 was my last time to really sort of make this dream of grad school and have this training that I felt like I always needed in order to open up and be comfortable with my story and comfortable with myself. And it finally happened. I got in. I got into NYU grad acting. And... Uh, and that's where I've been at for the past three years, like honing my craft and trying to uh, make myself into the most like, you know, soft, vulnerable artist that I felt like I, I always could be, but never really had the access to the resources in order to make that happen. 
come on through journey yeah. and okay. process yeah. right and yeah. like and now you're at the like the tail end of I'm the journey the from you yes 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 uh, let's get it and so i want to so you're at the tail end and i want to transition to uh so i think how i'm going to have to make this happen for me to be able to navigate <laughs> being in here with three chrises yeah. so we have actor holland right here okay. and we have director betts right here <laughs> so maybe like and like so maybe that that's going to work we'll see what happens later on in the episode but right now um so let's transition to our uh, director over here and so uh so with actor holland you're in your uh third and final year at NYU. Yes. And now we have our other Chris right here. Mr. Hey. Director, you're in your first year yeah, first at year. Yale in their um, directing program. Directing program, yeah. So can you just uh, talk to the people about you, about your journey into directing? Because yeah. you kind of like are a chameleon a bit. Like you've acted as well. Like... I you was up trying in to there. find my purpose. Come on through purpose. <laughs> Come on through purpose. And it's so funny when I listen to Chris's story, I'm just like, oh, like, I love actors so much. And actors mm. have such good stories because it, mm-hmm. it, it's so hard to be an actor. <laughs> it's hard to do everything that we do in this industry, but it is, I have so much empathy for people who really go for the acting. Yeah. So um, I say actors are like the front line of the theater. They absolutely like they literally are. put their entire body there for are. you. So yeah, I agree 100%. My, my, my. Um, I grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, very proud of uh, my hood. Come on I'm, through. I, I talk about Chicago as often as Get I it. can. Yes. Love Chicago. Um, went to all public uh, public schools, public grade school, public high school. My grandmother taught. She's a retired teacher, and she taught um, at a school on the south side of Chicago for 40 years. So that's okay. just always oh, wow. been a part. And I lived in a very pro-black neighborhood Amen. where when I was growing up, seeing white people was actually a little bit jarring. It was just mm. like, what are you doing in this neighborhood? <laughs> mm. So I like, had like, a complete... Like, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is you? Like, why, why are you, you here? What, what's, what's, what's up? What's up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it was interesting, like, going through to... I went to... I've been to three PWIs. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah, you were saying that when we were walking into the yeah. studio. <clears throat> Ciao. Now, now, now. <laughs> I, uh, I started off, uh, I started acting because my mom put me in acting classes because mm-hmm. I was just, I was clearly trying to work something out mm-hmm. and I didn't have an outlet to mm-hmm. work it out. And you know, there are no directing classes for the seven year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started acting and while I was developing, developing, people would always say, oh, you have a really good eye, you give good feedback. I think they were, that was their nice way of telling me that I was overstepping. Oop. <laughs> Oop. Right. So then my teachers would always say, like, oh, I think you should try directing. And I was just like, no, I don't want to do that because I had found so much freedom and escapism in acting that I was just like, no, like you can't take my my thing away from me. Like, this is all, that was all I had. Mm. I really felt like acting was all really that I had it was the only thing I felt like I was good at it was the only place where I felt like I had a voice like it was the only place where I felt like I was myself yeah so when someone's like oh you should switch gears you're like wait this is all that I had yeah (laughs) yeah so I never wanted to try it and then I went to uh, a, a theater school in southern Illinois and everyone told me they said you are going to face a lot of racism at that school in that in that um in that city, it was uh, Milliken University. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me being from the area I was from Chicago and, you know, being a teenager, I'm like, I don't care, I'm a, I'm a go and I'm a change the game. 
and I know that's right. I'm going. I'm gonna change the game. I'm gonna change everything. They gonna see me. Fuck what you heard. I was not scared. I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. Come through. I was like, well, then they gonna have a surprise for them. I know that's right. So, and I was trying to get like the other black students there to like, let's do our own show or let's do, and they so wanted to fit into the mold of the school. And the school was very much like, okay, we're gonna do Drowsy Chaperone and All My Sons. Mm. Now, if you can fit, insert yourself into this, you can be a part of it, but we're not gonna do anything mm. for our students of color, or we're not gonna, we're not gonna address that. Child. We'll insert mm. you where we can. And mm. that was just pretty much their, their stance on it. And I was like, okay, actually, because I didn't have any black students behind me, I felt like I was doing it all on my own, so I said, okay, I'm gonna leave. Mm. Um, so I decided to apply to school's transfer, and then I transferred to NYU for undergrad. Mm. And that experience was very illuminating about, because I had always been around black people, mm -hmm. so I didn't realize how ride or die I was for black people because that was just, that was all I knew, because right. I, it was just so in my DNA. So when I went to NYU, which I will give NYU props, like their administrative programs are very dope and have been very I've been on the very good side of those but culturally what's going on or what went on when I was there between students was just so much ignorance like I would sit in class and all my classmates would be like oh well it's so it's so unfortunate that we have to take out these loans and then I would just chime in I'll be like well I went to high school with people who got into schools like NYU and couldn't go because their parents couldn't take out a loan. Mm. And they would look at me like, oh, I, they, they truly never they don't understand. thought yeah, about that. Damn process, yeah. Um, and I would say that they would listen, but th the gap of understanding was wild and it made me very angry and I was very frustrated. I was a very, very angry person my, um, my first and second year of undergrad and I would go home all the time. Whenever there was like an extended, we had Monday off, I would fly home to Chicago. You said absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I was like, absolutely I'm going home. Not. Because my, <laughs> my mind was so restorative. I had to go back mm -hmm. because I felt like they were trying to like, um, Brandon Durden talks about like, it's like sometimes mm. this institution will try and beat your grandparents out of you. Ooh. And I felt like that's what they were trying to do. Okay. Like, I mean, he came to NYU, he was Ooh. like, don't let them beat your grandparents out of you. Because Child. that's, that's wow. you. And I felt like that's what was happening to me. And I was just like, it was so, so crazy, all the stuff that was going on. And it, it was just obliviousness. And like, I was, I'm not, you know, wealthy or anything, but I wasn't considered poor, you know, mm -hmm. in... Chicago, because it's so segregated, so I was around other black right. people, so we were mm. from the same socioeconomic class. Mm. But at NYU, like, one of my classmates' family owns Cracker Barrel, another one owns, like, all the... Owns Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. Wow. Not, like, <laughs> not a restaurant, <laughs> not one of the... I, I, believe, but the, I believe they own Cracker like Barrel. Like, the full wow. Cracker Barrel. Yep. And then yep. another one owns like well, there you go. owns like several IKEAs in Canada. It was just like this is like yep. the this is like the the margin. Like not work. owning like a little mom and pop <laughs> store on the corner, but we I own several IKEAs. <laughs> okay, we have the chain. I got a bag it's coming ours. in from everywhere. Okay. And I would just sit in class and be like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, well, damn. And I was so grateful for every little thing. You know, my grandma would send me like a little care package. Come and I'd be on. Like, mm -hmm. Yes. You know, I didn't really know she had to put everything she had together to do that. So it was just crazy to be in that environment. And then a lot of the 
the time I spent as an actor because I have an athletic body where my teachers would be like, oh, you need to do this type of role. Like, I was, mm. like, playing stupid parts, like Charles the Wrestler and, like, just, like, I was playing, like, homophobic people, but I was mm-hmm. playing, like, bullies and, like, very hard-hitting, hard-edged. Right. Um, like things that were going against you. Yeah, I didn't like, want to no. use my voice for that. And then uh-huh. in class, they, those were the roles they would give me. Wow. And then in class, they'd be like, "You need to be more vulnerable." And I'd be like, "Okay, um, wait." <laughs> like, hold up. They would be like, "Yourself, like you need to be more vulnerable." And I, I, I have the vocabulary to know that like that was a violence against my body mm-hmm. to see what my body was and want to use it. Um, and this isn't all of like NYU is broken up the undergrad program is broken up into several different mm-hmm. studios and I was in two studios one of the studios um, I felt that my body was being used to tell um, the stories that they want to use it for when it was convenient for them but I was getting different feedback in class and it was because when I was opening myself up my teachers couldn't handle it and they needed to police mm-hmm. my behavior in a certain it. way um, which is something that I've just become very receptive to and something that I'm pushing back on Mm -hmm. and then it made me resent acting and that's how I started directing because I said my voice isn't getting used for what I wanted to I'm not saying what I want to say so then I pulled myself out of um, the acting casting pool the only way you could do that was to direct your own show mm. so i directed my own show like literally i just said i'm okay i'm gonna try it fine just so this was to... this was still at undergrad at nyu yeah this uh-huh. is my senior year at nyu and then i did it and now my teachers were like oh you need to do that Ooh. and then even i couldn't even get mad at them because i was like yeah I need yeah to. like yeah. you felt that yeah and it was just like it was the first time that like all of my like everything that i had retreated into my imagination. Um, all the times where I had retreated into my imagination as a child, mm-hmm. it was like, it was outside of my head. Mm-hmm. It was like something from my head was in front of my face. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was the most intimate thing that I could tell somebody mm-hmm. was to say, here's what I vi- here's why I envision my imagination and I'm gonna share it with you. And to hear people communicate with that, that felt like the most authentic way that I could ever say or express anything to someone. So. I never acted again after that. Wow. wow. You said, nope. I not I. I found, look. I know my purpose. Mm-hmm. I know my calling. God will, mm-hmm. he will put you on, on, yes, he will. on your path. Yes, he yes. will. And, and I got a nice on it. <laughs> You got some detours, some roadblocks, mm-hmm. but you are on it yes, right now. Yes, 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 yes. So then now I'm at, um, I spent a year traveling to African countries. Last year I was in South Africa, Rwanda, Uganda. Kenya and Morocco. Oh, you mm-hmm. wasn't lying. You were in some okay. African countries. <laughs> With like, yes, okay. <laughs> and, then, uh, um, and then I uh, applied to Yale, and I got in, and now I'm hey. in my first year, second semester of my first year. There. Come on hey. through. Yes. <laughs> yes, I was like, I've, I've literally been so excited, and I was like, I'm, I probably wore Drew. I was talking about some. Drew, I cannot wait to have these brothers up in here. Yeah. I, I was I, I was thinking about it just in terms of um, uh, uh, Yale mm-hmm. director, NYU actor, mm-hmm. Juilliard playwright, mm-hmm. and like I think this might be the first time where we've had uh, someone from like these three disciplines in wow. one episode: a director, wow. an actor, and a playwright. Very nice. So Let's you missing out, Amber. You missing <laughs> hey. out, Drew. Ah. 
Uh, but no, I was I was uh, really excited. I probably like wore Drew out just saying like I can't wait to have them on here. So just like we can talk and chat it up. Um, and then also um, I wanted to share a, a quick story about how um, you and I, Chris, director yeah. Chris, I'm talking to the director <laughs> Chris right now, people, um, about how like we met. It was like online via emails because mm-hmm. you were Terrell Alvin McCraney's assistant mm-hmm. um, wow. once about a time. Two years. Yeah. Wow. And so this I think I think this might have been maybe a little over two years ago mm-hmm. um, when I I got to a point uh, in my uh, status uh, of being positive where I was like I want to uh, be public with it because before this point it was just like family members mm-hmm. and close friends like who knew but it wasn't something that like I would go on Facebook and talk about or like put on Instagram or like mm-hmm. any social form of that regard and I got to a point where I said I want to really rid myself of this shame and of this stigma um, and so I was like who is someone that I respect and admire just as um, an artist as a writer that kind of got me onto this path and how playwriting helped me when I found out I was positive and it was Terrell Mm -hmm. and so um, I reached out to Terrell um, and he directed me to you and like I will say um, like throughout the entire exchange that you and I had I was so nervous because it was my first time like really Uh sharing like this side of me and I was like ah do I want to hit send on these emails and I was like Danye like you're at a point Mm -hmm. where yes you Mm -hmm. will do it Mm -hmm. and like I just felt so much uh, and it's so crazy just coming from like just emails and not like Mm -hmm. me and the person but like I felt so much warmth and kindness. I was like, okay, Donya, you I was can rooting do this. for you. I, I got those emails. Okay. Come on through. <laughs> that and was then, the warmth. I was like, okay, we gotta get this on the calendar. Come through and like, like it came urgent. through. And then I will say, and I, I've talked about this a few now. I felt so bad. It was like the day of the interview. I was in Philly, coming back to um, New York for the interview, and just you know, MTA ain't shit. Um, <laughs> literally, I was about maybe forty-five minutes to an hour late. Oh, for then, I remember, yeah. I, uh, and I remember like, fuck, <laughs> Terrell just waiting in his coffee shop. He mm. gonna be over me. <laughs> um, but fast forward, here we are now. Yes. Here we are now. The so universe, right? The yes. universe. The universe will provide. You better believe it. Um, and so. The people now know about y'all. Uh, they got a little bit of tea. Yes. And so now uh, the people want to know how was your week? Like, what was your week looking like? Any shows that you saw? Anything that you did? Any highs? Any lows? I know you, Chris, and now I'm talking to the actor, Chris. <laughs> um, you are in um, a show right now. I am, yes. I'm right? in my second to last Grad school show. Come on wow. through. Yes. Congrats, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, three days in the country. Mm-hmm. We opened on Thursday, uh, and we've been running ever since. We closed on Tuesday. And so I've just been, uh, you know, tech process, you know, going through with that. We just had our first day, last first day of classes on Friday. So. I saw. Yeah. I saw you post. I was like, "Oh, I know he yeah. is excited, juiced, come wow. through, juiced to finally put this chapter behind me and 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 you know go on to to bigger and better things." So, my uh, my week's been it's been good. You know, you deal with the uh, you deal with the microaggressions as they mm-hmm. come to you, and I've uh, had a couple that happened this week where it's just like. <sighs> Sometimes that's all it is. It's like, yeah. it's that. <sighs> Is that? Is that? It's 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 you know it's the ones where it's like <laughs> you go through so many microaggressions a day that the ones that you actually have to comment on is like it it it's, I don't know it's a weird sort of paradox that I think about that like wow. calling attention to one of them it's like man I could call attention to like ten thirty forty fifty of these mm-hmm. but just 
you know. I, and like, how draining is that though? Yeah, so like you wouldn't even be able to do the work. Like while you're there, because you're busy calling out too much of the bullshit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and swallowing it, swallowing response. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're like, I don't care about this. Then you leave for a second. You're like. Actually, you know what? Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do care. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, the, and I'm sure it, 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 it don't never end any institution, but the hyper-surveillance of black bodies and the policing of the black body and the policing of the blackness and just all that stuff that you're dealing with on a regular basis, and I'm so happy to find... I mean, we all going to be in it now, and I know you experiencing it on, like, the, mm-hmm. a bigger level of... It's not in school anymore now. It's like actually in the career and in the business right. and how do you navigate those things. But, yeah, I mean, I had I dealt with my fair share of that this week. But for the most part, it's just been, you know, putting my head into the work and making sure that I'm going out on stage every night and being as open as possible and listening to, you know, to, to my classmates and, you know, really trying to take, a, take it really a, be precious with it because, like, this is... So last time we ever going to be, you know, on a stage together doing all this, right. you know, with this sort of training and and no matter what happens, I just want to make sure that I, I'm I make sure I get my gratitude and my grateful cup filled every single day to know that, like, my God has put me in a position to, you know, really take advantage of of the path and the dream that I want to follow. Amen. And like that's for me, that's really why, in my opinion, we are the shit. Like yes. hearing you say <laughs> no, seriously, like like hearing you talk about how everything that's going on around you, and like you taking all of this in, but yet and so you're still able to get on stage mm-hmm. and slay every time you're on that stage yeah. with everything else that's going around you, all the bullshit that like the institution and whoever else it bees wants to throw on you, like you're experiencing that, but at the end of the day, you're there to do a job, and you're still able to do that job, and you're still able to fuck it up. Yeah. Just lay with it. I mean, I, uh, I use... That shit's not easy. It's not. I use this phrase of, like, you know, we doing the work of Daniel, like, doing the work of Daniel in, 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 in the lion's den. So, like, how can you still be open and vulnerable, you know, surrounded by surrounded by all this negativity, surrounded by what literally feels like you in a lion's den having to like constantly stand up for yourself, constantly stand up for your blackness, constantly stand up for your culture, constantly stand up for, you know, your ancestors and and the history that just gets erased in these PWIs in these rooms every single day to the point where like to the the the, the point where like you feel strangled and, mm. and and you feel like this this can't be this can't be the work. This can't be the work. But I don't know. I've just been taking it, uh, you know, day by day, and and breathing with it, and and still knowing that regardless of that, I can still show up and be open, and I can still show up and and listen, and I can still show up and and be soft. Come on through. Mm. I'm all for softness. Yeah. Come on through. And how was uh your week? My week was cool. I've been um I I started we're in Shakespeare class, right? Oh, excuse me. Come on through. Clear that throat. All right, now. Let me clear that throat. Yes. Get on, boys. Um, so I, we've been doing Shakespeare this week. Mm-hmm. So I'm proposing my two Shakespeare shows and then in directing class. One thing I one thing I love about Yale is that they're letting me build a lot of my own curriculum. Oh, wow. Hey. Um, so last semester I worked on Three Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, And then this semester they said, okay, what play do you want to work on for directing seminar? I said, oh, I want to do, I think I said I wanted to do uh, Ruined or Is God Is or there was Mm -hmm. another, I put Fireflies Mm -hmm. down and then there was another play that I said that I was interested in. They picked Ruined. Um, So I've been working on that and it's just very interesting 
switching genres. Mm. So like I just I have all my different. I'm very type based. I have all my different notebooks. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like, okay, well, this is my ruined notebook. Okay, great. And then so it's just been interesting straddling those two worlds and figuring out. I'm always asking myself, how can um, people of color exist in the classical canon without serving the classical canon? Um, so my response is that it has to be some sort of collapse of mm. what it was and, it, and also an acknowledgement of how the classical canon became the classical canon mm-hmm. um, because it's not as if there weren't people from other countries doing great work. It's just that, mm. you know, they were being enslaved and all these other sorts of things, but if that wouldn't have happened, there would be a whole different type of canon. Um, so just figuring out how to honor that and frame these Shakespearean stories from that perspective has been what I've been back and forth about, and then like jumping to some beautiful poetry about a story that happens in the Congo for Ruin, and it's just, it's very dynamic. It makes me think a lot. Yes. Yeah. I um, really 100% like appreciate you so much. I just think about, I am very transparent when I say I prefer working with black directors. Mm-hmm. Like Thank across the board. Seriously, I, I remember it was some post I did, it was like maybe a few months ago, and like and it was about something I was doing and with a director I was working with a black director, of mm-hmm. course. And like you commented saying like thank you so much and like um I see and we appreciate you like working with us. Mm-hmm. And it, it I have shared this before on the show and it just makes me think about how frustrating it is where as a black playwright, I don't want to be in a rehearsal room. I don't want to be in a space where I have to teach somebody my culture mm-hmm. because what you should be doing is you should be doing your job, which is directing, yeah. right? I should be doing my job, which is like writing and rewriting and I having to teach you a culture. Mm-hmm. And then also like it just, it, 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 it really frustrates me. Like maybe this isn't um, like my torch to carry and like my march to march, mm-hmm. but like I think about how um, black directors are only given opportunities to direct it feels like just black work Talk right about like it, yeah. like we're in this mm-hmm. um we're in this institutional setting we're in this educational setting where like we are given opportunities to like try and explore mm-hmm. a multitude yeah. um but when i think about uh like directors um like in the field right now it seems like all that's being given is oh Oh, you're black, so I'll give you this, like, here's (laughs) the black show. And why can't black directors be given Chekhov, be given Mm -hmm. Miller, be given O'Neill, like, all of these things? And how, when I think about white directors, they're given everything. Honey, they can do anything. single They'd be given August Wilson if if it wasn't put down. Like, everything. Like, I can think about, like, a a, a black director being given a piece about um, somebody from Chicago, somebody Mm -hmm. from Oakland, somebody from, like, North Philly. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet and still... Uh, black directors are only given like black work mm-hmm. and like aren't able to and, and not saying that like black directors like want to be able to like do these things but saying just like being able to give the opportunity so I yeah. say, to say just thank you so much for like being out there thank you. and for existing yes. and for fighting and for like doing the work all of y'all yes, yes. thank you so much uh, off of that it's just like you'll see and even sometimes they only get to do the second one. Like, you know, the New York debut will be directed by yeah. whoever, and then when it goes regional, it's just like, okay, now That's you can direct mm-hmm. the it. black show. And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, you know, ideally people won't be relegated to any sort of uh, type of material, but if you are gonna rele- relegate me regionally, 
I'm going to get relegated regionally and I don't get to do the one in New York. Mm-hmm. I got to it's so it's it's a very interesting thing to 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 be on somewhat the outside of because you know I'm I'm very much, you know, practicing my craft. Mm-hmm. But I see it happen, I'm just like, "Wow, like yeah. what is happening?" Like you get to do the black show but you can only do it at the, you know, yeah. a, it'll be Lord at, A, Lord B, small level. you know what I at mean? A small level. But you know, when it like when it's the New York premiere, like when it transfers something big, they're not there, nope. and it's just it hurts. It really hurts. Yeah, it really hurts. Yeah, like so I, I so appreciate you for that. Yeah, I, no, I clocked that because like I literally step in these rooms and like this is who I want. Mm-hmm. Like this is who I want. This is who I need. Um, and like sometimes it. It can cost, mm-hmm. right? Um, because like these theaters, these institutions, like uh, they want a name, they want this person, and they want that person. Like they're already matched up in their mind. Um, but for me, it's no. This is this is who I want, and this is this is why I want this person, okay. um, and it's so important. Um, and and so like my week, just really really quickly, because I. Um, I want to jump into like the nitty gritty yes. some shit. Yes. Um, so I'm like, how can I talk about this week of mine so quick, so fast? Um, but like, my week was uh, really cool. I shared. Um, I talked about uh, a new play that I uh, wrote, which it was extremely personal about um, my uh, journey of being positive. Um, like what that entire journey has been like, uh, dealing with like how much drinking I did to like navigate through when the cold and like all the sex and like the depression and like the suicidal ideations uh so i shared it with uh juilliard has what they call play labs and so that's when everybody from the drama department um or normally is on two well is on tuesdays um we all go to like this big ass room and uh it's essentially a reading of a play and so it was uh, uh my play and i was I wanted to leave so bad, y'all. Like I wanted to, I was so wow. nervous and like shaken. And, and then also they do, in my opinion, uh, it's, it's super duper whack. They do this really whack thing where they call it like the dead playwright. And so a conversation is happening afterward about the work. Um, and like the two uh, heads of the uh, playwriting department is up there navigating the conversation. And you as the writer, you have to be standing up there as well, but you can't say anything at all. So literally, I'm listening to all these people talk about the play and all these things, and like I cannot say a thing. Like, like of of course, like you can chime in, but like they strongly encourage you just like be a a quote unquote dead playwright and just listen to everything. Um, And so like that was a part of my week, and I was just like. Just been thinking about just like that the entire week, like the play itself, which it it, it went over really well. Like it went over really, really well. Um, So like that was amazing. Mm. Um, And then uh, last night, Drew and I, we went to, um, uh, it was like intimate dinner, the creative director of uh, Prayer Moss um, um, invited me um, and I had, had Drew come with me for this uh, really nice dinner and like, y'all when I tell y'all I was like is the food gonna stop like they just kept bringing out more oh, and more hey. food <laughs> like it was everything and everything was amazing um, so like that was uh, really nice so that was my week it was it was pretty chill. It was pretty chill, which was um, really good. Um, and like I've been, I was talking to somebody like being in this like space where um, it was so interesting um, having uh, two plays of mine produced like back to back, and it was like such a whirlwind, and like all of these things were happening, like always in the rehearsal room and uh, doing this and doing that, and like now being a space to um, just chill a bit. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because like 
oh, I'm, I'm so used to now always like being in like the rehearsal room and this and that. Uh, but now being in this space, just like chill for a bit. And I was talking to somebody saying it's um, it's like God just saying, just relax. Mm. Just, just just relax right now. Just, just take, take it easy. Take Focus on you right now. Um, so, yeah, so this week was pretty chill, and it was just me relaxing and chilling. And also, it was excitement for uh, for this episode, because mm-hmm. I was talking to uh, Drew, and uh, when I was talking um, to you, Chris, so what what I, uh, I like to do, I didn't do it last year, because like, I just got super-duper busy, and like I kept saying, fuck, I, I, I need to get back to doing this, because what I normally do is, I'm like, I'll just go through my um, contacts um, in my phone, and like I'll text people, just asking, um, how's your mind, how's your body, how's your heart, and how's your spirit? Mm-hmm. And so I did it uh, the end of January. I'm like, okay, we're a month into the new year, and I just like ask people, how's your mind, how's your body, how's your heart, and how's your spirit? Um, and Chris Holland uh, responded with like a beautiful, transparent um, response for like each element. And one thing that you talked about, Chris, uh, was um, just like where you are right now in terms of this being like your final year, mm-hmm. just like navigating that. And like you were talking about it mm-hmm. um, when you were introducing yourself and just sharing a little about yourself. And I was like, mm-hmm. Drew, I know what I want for this episode to be about. Um, while you're gone, I'm going to hold it down. And this episode that I'm going to hold down is us talking about being uh, black students mm-hmm. and, uh, in my opinion, white-ass institutions. Yep. And, like, what does that mean? And we have a lot of listeners who uh, currently are, um, whether it's undergrad or grad, um, who will reach out to us and just talk about how it's so exhausting mm-hmm. and it's yes. so tiring. And yes. like, what is that like? Because that, that really is something. And, and what I was telling you about um, how like we receive these like microaggressions um, and essentially this like racism, mm-hmm. but yet and still, um, we still have to do the work and we still do the work and like that is work within itself. Mm-hmm. And, and so I know like my journey, um, Juilliard is a two year program. It's, it's, it's more like a fellowship if, if anything, but it's like a graduate level program. And like I've had my fair share of, I remember I'm in my second year, my final year. Um, it was a large chunk of time last year. I was like, I don't want to be here no more. Mm-hmm. Like I like, why am I here? I'm like, just thinking about going, I was like, oh, my energy is low. Like, my spirit is low. I don't like being in this space um, when I was so excited uh, to get accepted into this program. And now I was like, oh, fuck, I don't even want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just like thinking about all of those uh, things. And uh, like some um, instances, I remember um, it was in December, I had a reading. It was at uh, the Signature, and my um, director uh, talking to me saying um, that like one of the higher powers that be at Juilliard was um, telling her, and like I make it clear as day, I write about black people, I write for black people. Um, and if you are not um, within the black experience, particularly the black queer experience, mm-hmm. you need to consider yourself lucky to yep. be getting what I hope is a, a, a very specific um, and uh, transparent look inside uh, this culture. 
And so with, with that in mind, my director was telling me that one of the higher powers that be um, at my school was talking to her and just saying that, um, oh, just like make sure that um, the like reading is in a way where like everybody feels welcomed, uh, like oh, everybody no. feels like comfortable. Mm-hmm. And in this particular play, it's set in North Philly um, and it's I think seven characters, six are black, one is uh, white, um, and this higher power that B was telling my director, and then also like in the rehearsal room, just make sure just like everybody feels like welcome when like you're uh, rehearsing, and 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 then also uh, like my school has been going through like a lot of sensitivity trainings and like having people come yep. in when yeah. we know like these trainings they they aren't for us. Nope. Like they aren't for us at all. And so we have to sit through it. So I think that the higher power that B like their mindset was thinking about these trainings and making sure that everybody feels included. But in that, for me, I it, it felt like I wasn't being included, right? Like you were wanting to make sure that this one individual, this one white person was super protected. And then it made me feel like I was an outsider in like my own space. And like I was, uh, I, I, I talked to them and said, I actually had to contemplate if I still want to do this or not. Mm-hmm. Because how you went about it, it made it seem like this one person is more important, um, and like the white people are the ones that are like the most important that we really need to like focus on and think about. And I remember leading up to this last year when I was thinking about uh, doing this reading, and when I was trying to decide what play, I was on the fence because we have the option to do it or not. So I was on the fence like, do I want to do it? Do I not want to do it? And I remember uh, uh, someone from uh, my uh, department was asking me how many uh, characters uh, is, and I was thinking about a different play at this time, the one that I uh, 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 didn't do. I was like, oh, it's, uh, it's seven characters. And the first response of, and knowing that it's all black people that I read about, um, the immediate response was, we don't have that many actors for you. Like, that was the first <laughs> response. <laughs> we don't have that many actors for you. Wow. And, and it was, it, okay. It was one of those things, like, literally, that's all I said was okay. And it was one of those things that after I was like, fuck, I should have said this, I should have said that, I should have yes. said that. Yes. And then like literally, as soon mm-hmm. as um, I got home, I sent them mm-hmm. a long-ass email about, like, what that simple, quote-unquote, simple comment of we don't have enough actors for you, like, what that meant, mm-hmm. how that was, was received, and where I stand right now. And, like, just all of these things, just thinking about being, like, a black student in a white space. Uh, one of my professors I heard through the uh, 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 grapevine um, when I shared my, like, third play my first year, um, they said that they don't know how to comment on the play. Excuse me? But, like, that's literally... That's like <laughs> that one, that is a comment. And then also, it is your job. It is your job to exactly. be able to talk about the plays. Like, that's what you are being wow. paid to do. And you said you don't know how to comment on the plays. And, like, I've, I've noticed every time I share my plays and, like, how uh, black they are, um, how... Um, of uh, this very specific group they are, uh, this one professor maybe just says one thing and then doesn't say anything else mm. at all. That's and like good. those things that like I clock um, mm-hmm. and, and like knowing that like I'm not writing for you mm-hmm. um, and so it's 
I don't want for you or like I don't need for you to comment but like like we notice those things we pick up on those things and I remember um what I did and not not having to do this because this is the extra work mm -hmm. but I remember I um I reached out to uh just about every uh, Juilliard alum in the playwriting program and I just asked them honestly like what was your experience in the program and I created uh, like maybe like a three-page letter, um, which is for like incoming uh, writers of like what the program is mm -hmm. um, and how to make the program a safe space for everybody, yeah. how to make mm. it a brave space for everybody. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get like a nice amount of writers um, currently and like alum to like sign it. So it's literally from us to wow. you to make sure like this is the space. Um, this is what I'll tolerate in the space. This is what I won't tolerate in the space. Mm -hmm. And this is how um, you need to handle me and how I won't be handled in the space. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that hopefully whoever comes um, in the future doesn't have to uh, go through the bullshit at the end of the day. And I'm 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 really curious of and then like I should gotta have do to, they work of like, being intentional. Like I shouldn't have to, right? Like I shouldn't have to do this. Yeah. It shouldn't have oh, to exist. But like yeah. knowing that uh we are people that exist within the margins, mm -hmm. um, so nobody doesn't think about us, right? Mm -hmm. So we're the ones not only thinking about ourselves, but thinking about how we can move away from the margins. Mm -hmm. So that makes us, um, in a way, do the extra work, yep. right? Um, so I shouldn't have to write that letter, but like wanting to make sure that like I don't exist in a space where like I don't um, feel safe. Mm. So what can I do? Oh, I'll write this letter. Like I'll do this extra work on top of having to write like three plays a year. Mm -hmm. I'll do this extra work of writing this letter as well of talking to other writers about what their experience was like, compiling all of that to create this like living, breathing document so everyone in the future can be able to um, feel welcomed. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, yeah. just feel welcomed mm -hmm. into this space. So um, I'm curious, what were some... Um, instances that like you've encountered um, just essentially being a black student in a white space and like how were you able to like navigate through these things I, oof. the biggest incident mm. that happened to me um, by a faculty member at school was we have this and it happens at Juilliard too but at, at NYU we have mm -hmm. a, a cabaret that we throw on and the the head of the voice department and the head of the, and the person, the professor of singing, is the same uh, professor of singing at Juilliard mm -hmm. as well. And you know, we throw in this cabaret, and um, for the piece that she gives me, she gives me uh, my shot from Hamilton, mm. and she lets me, you know, rap the first uh, sixteen that a a Hamilton has, and then she has me and the other uh, black people in my class. Um, or three of the other, uh, three of the four, five of us. So four of us are in this uh, Hamilton thing. And uh, she says, well, we're gonna take out the Lafayette, um, you know, Jefferson part, uh, Mulligan, and all of y'all are gonna write your own 16s. And it's gonna be about your shot. What do you mm -hmm. think your shot is now? You know, your, your space and society and, and really take, you know, take it up upon yourselves. So, um, and she gave me the last part too, so I rapped at the end, and then I anchored the uh, the last rap as well. So I came out and, you know, I was talking about you know being from Oakland and, um, you know where I'm from, and you know, niggas will rob you and this that and the other, mm -hmm. and you know they'll put you in the hospital. This, but like at the end of the day, 
um, we're preyed upon by politics and politicians, and we're preyed upon by you know, uh, you know, policies that rip all the resources away from us and give them to you know richer white neighborhoods and stuff like that. And and now that I am much more aware of all the you know these systems that are having this impact on my life, I'm here to get my bag, mm. and I'm here to get my bag for my people and my culture. And I had a professor walk up to me afterwards um, as I was, you know, changing and getting dressed in our uh, changing room. And it's a white woman, and she grabs my face, and she's like, oh, my God, your, your, your rap that you wrote at the end of, of, of that, it was so adorable, so evil, oh. just like you. Oh, wow. And I couldn't. Like, I was so... Like, my mouth is agape, y'all. Like, I'm I, I was so... Gagged. I mean, I'm still... You still I, don't have the words. I still don't have the words for it. I, I couldn't believe... I, and I was just... Wow. And she's and just this wide mm. smile on her face. I can only And, you know, imagine. she gives me a pat on the back, and she walks away and goes to some other people and give them their praises. And, like, a month later, I was like, I've really... You know, I got to say something to her. I got to say something to her. So... Oof. I pulled her aside and she's like, uh, I was like, can I just holler at you like privately? Can we just talk for a second? And I was like, you said this comment a month ago after Cabaret that's still sticking with me. And uh, and of course, the first thing out of my mouth was, well, how come you didn't say anything in a moment? And I was like, well, I, I needed some time to process what you told me. But you, you said that my rap was adorable and evil, just like me. And I was like, I, what did you mean by that? She's like, oh, well, yeah, I mean... Evil, I mean, I didn't mean that like, you know, Hitler or anything. I was like, yeah, because when you say evil for me, that's what I think of. Like somebody who has a blatant disregard for life and humanity. When really my rap is talking about, you know, being on the margins and and being oppressed and finding a way to uplift myself and my community out of that oppression and to stand up for myself and to stand up for, you know, my humanity and 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 my light. Mm-hmm. And and you call me adorable as well. You know, that's, you know, you infantilized me and called me evil at the same time. She's like, well, I, I, I meant you were more like, you know, a rah-rah guy, you know, somebody who, who wants to, like, take down the establishment and assist him. And I was like, yeah, but that's different than being evil, though. You see the difference, right? And she was like, well, now I know not to ever use that word around you. And I'm sorry for using that word. And it's like... No, again, because that's not the proper response. Like, it's I'm not taking offense to the word evil and to never use that. And but like, you not seeing me. Yeah. And it pivoted from that to she got like really like silent, and then she's like, "Oh, did I tell you that like a friend of mine committed suicide recently?" And I was like, "No." And then she started to you know well up and cry. She's like, "I thought you said that somebody that you knew committed suicide," and I was like. No, I've never had a conversation with you about suicide or anybody in my family or friend group, but I'm sorry that happened to you. And she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's what? Just, so, like, totally switching around wow. the entire conversation just like... to get me to do the emotional labor work wow. of comforting her. When I brought her into the room to be like, yo, your choice of words, oh you really just God. painted me out to be like this, this like, black, These white-ass tears. evil, you know, goon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's really when I... That's really when it clicked for me of like, y'all don't see me. You you don't you you fundamentally don't see me. You fundamentally can't you fundamentally can't give me any notes about craft. Mm. 
because it never comes down to craft with me or for any other black person. Whenever I'm in one of these circle reviews and you go, oh my God, you had that moment on stage where like you smiled and it was so huge and wide and, and we need more of that. We want you to smile more because you don't. You walk around at classrooms and the hallways and you don't smile and, and we think that would be very beneficial to your work. And it's like, that's not going to... You want me to smile to make you feel more comfortable, though. And being yes. here is draining. Yes. So I don't smile. And you don't really want to know what's draining in my life. You really don't want to know the kind of things that I'm going through every single day. So I choose to withhold those things from you. But being told to smile by three older white women in a room, knowing that if I told y'all on the street to smile, it would be a totally different interaction and conversation, mm -hmm. yeah. it makes me feel some type of way. When you should be saying things like, um, your diction is off. Mm -hmm. We need you to project more here. There's further you can go with this beat. Uh, you were a bit hard here, but we think that there's a, a, a softer, you know, humanity that you can get to. The, like, but you say these things to the white people, but you don't say it to us. Yeah. But then you expect us to come in here and, and to, you know, break our backs and to make you feel comfortable and to make you feel like you're seen and to make you feel like, oh, I'm not one of those bad, you know, black people on the street. I'm here to, you know, put a smile on my face and, and to hold you and to coddle you. Mm -hmm. And then you you then you you know you walk around and wonder why like we don't interact with you, mm -hmm. why I yes. don't say yes. hi to my yes. professors, mm -hmm. why I don't say hi to my white classmates. Mm -hmm. When it's like, well, when you get on the elevator and go home, you don't got to think about this stuff no more. Wow. Not but at all. Like, and like it's brewing for an entire month of when when can I say this to her? How can I say this to her? And then when I do, not expecting her to talk about a suicide that has no shade, nothing to do about the conversation yeah, the that conversation. we're having right now. It's like if this is it, like this is my time and my space to come to you and be like, look, you did something that hurt my feelings, mm -hmm. and I need you to acknowledge that you hurt my feelings and just say sorry. And instead, you turned it around into this victim thing. We're like, oh, now I'm supposed to say sorry to you, mm -hmm. and I'm supposed to be like, oh, well, maybe the words that you did choose, maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, which is like something that's happened to me my entire life, which gets me even more angry. The mm -hmm. fact that like so I've been gaslit by white people in this society. And it, I feel like, you know, by my parents who, you know, didn't, they were coming up in a different time frame of like, you're supposed to make white people feel comfortable. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to offend them. You're not supposed to, like, keep your head down and, and, and don't play the race card and da da da. So to be gaslit over and over again and now have a consciousness to know better, it's like, it's fucking infuriating. Yeah, yeah and it's, 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 it, it's unnecessary. It's draining. It's, re it's it's like the full gamut of emotions. And just like thinking about like what what I keep hearing is like all of this shit that's being thrown on us, but yet and still like doing the work. Mm -hmm. and, and, and in my opinion, being really good at the work that's being done. Like I think about, um, so I had to come up with a strategy for myself of um, uh, uh, being in this program. And what they ask is like three plays a year, which is a lot. Um, for a writer, and um, they ask for uh, at least the play to be within a second draft. So, like, you can know, like, what how you want to, like, navigate the conversation, what the other writers can, like, think about and, like, look at, and literally no exaggeration. I have one more play to share, um, so it will have been, like, six plays that I've, I've presented in my two-year process. Every single play that I've written thus far um, I normally finish a month before it's due, mm -hmm. and I bring my black friends uh, over, and I'll hear the play with them. Mm -hmm. And so that when I actually get into class, I'll be able to gauge 
is this a comment on craft or is this a comment on culture? Because mm. the two is completely different. Totally Come different. On. And I shouldn't have to do that work. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's that saying of uh, working twice as hard mm-hmm. to be half as good. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my like other uh, cohorts is like, no shade. Like, I'll hear them say, I literally just finished this last night. Exactly. Me, I finished wow. it a month before so I could hear it amongst black people to prepare for when I bring it into class so I can know that, okay, this note that X, Y, and Z is given is actually not a note about craft. It's a note about culture, mm. but they think it's about craft, mm. right? And it's like, why do I have to do that work? Yeah. I know why. Right, yeah. it's a whole bunch of years of like institutionalized like racism and oppression, like all of these things that have been built upon and built upon and built upon that got us to this moment. Mm-hmm. But it's so exhausting, and I'm curious, um, uh, Chris, what has your experience been like? Yeah, I mean, I've just my mind has just been percolating with everything that other Chris has been saying. I'm just like that happens to me so often where I was in a space where I was um, in a rehearsal room and. One of the people I was working with just kept looking at me and being like, are you okay? And I was like, why does this person keep saying, exactly. are you okay? And it was because I wasn't smiling or I wasn't validating mm-hmm. them in the way that they felt that they needed yep. to be validated by mm-hmm. me. And that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, I, I was you. sitting there thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just right? sitting there thinking. <laughs> I'm sitting there about like, okay, cut well, off? how do I get this you you know, thing out of the I'm, I'm trying to serve the playwright. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And I'm just, I'm just sitting there. I'm just thinking, oh, this is, and you know, I do, you know, I'm a pretty, you know, I, I, I like a good time. So like generally, I know that I, I definitely know that I present as an extrovert, but I'm actually not. So when people get Facts. to know me, when people get to know me more intimately, they're like, oh, like you're actually like very not that literal thing. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that don't have nothing to do with me. Like nothing. I don't mm-hmm. mistreat people. Like my grandmother always told me. Don't go around mistreating people. Mm-hmm. Like I had that beaten into me. I know I don't mistreat nobody. Mm-hmm. So if you want to smile from me or something, that has every that's not that's on you. That's not on me. And I just it took a long time to, you know, with being bullied and and um just figuring out how to like finesse situations where like I feel like the reason I became uh ha- I have some extroverted tendencies was because I was trying to figure out how to get myself out of dangerous situations when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, okay, well maybe I can avoid getting jumped today if I tell a joke. You know what I yeah. mean? Like mm-hmm. so like that so then mm-hmm. I, when I feel that coming out when people try and put me back in that space, I'm just like, I'm not smiling for you. Like no. yeah. I'm not going to mistreat you. Exactly. But that policing of behavior is is very violent and then People will try and make you feel guilty about it, exactly. and you're just like, no, I, I'm not disrespecting you. I'm a very warm person. I'm here. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about, but I'm not I'm not going to invalidate anyone, but I am not here to validate you when you want to be validated. And I don't center you. Exactly. Yeah. I don't center your experience. I don't experience. center your experience. And that's, that's the exactly thing that I think is like so jarring mm-hmm. um, and like disorienting uh, for uh, these people is... They're not being centered. Yeah, they're not. Right? And, and, and like thinking about whenever I bring in my work, like it's not, it's not even me thinking about like decentering white people because mm-hmm. all I'm thinking about is black people. Exactly. And so, like, that's what a boy is. That's all it is. Like, I don't, for, for them, I can very much imagine I don't have an entry point into Danye's work. So, mm-hmm. I don't know how to talk about Danye's work. So, I'll probably just say one thing about, oh, I really like this line, and then I won't say anything else at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then I've had other just odd experiences where I've met with like 
artistic directors or associate artistic directors and like we'll be emailing then they'll meet me they'll be like oh you don't look like an actor oh you don't look like you look like an actor you don't look like a director and i'm like what does what does that mean what does that mean what does that mean look like a director and i remember i went on a an interview for a very well-known fellowship and it was the most racist interview i had ever been on in my entire life i wrote this essay about just like my experience and like everything i was like oh well you know i grew up in this part of the world and like i'm these identities major, major, like, Broadway-level director in my Mm. interview looks at me and goes, now, mind you, I'm going to give you these given circumstances again. I said, Uh I'm from the South Side of Chicago. (laughs) Come on, director. Come on. Come on, director. Give us a given circumstances. Come on now. What's my motivation? (laughs) All right? (laughs) What is he giving? (laughs) Y'all silly. I can't even help it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I talked about my, um, talked about being gay, and I talked about, I mean, I think they knew I was Black, mm-hmm. just contextually. Uh-huh. Of course. So then this man, this oh, this person. Uh-huh. <laughs> this person. This person this looks person. at me. We got a little beat right there. Okay, a little, little beat right there. Thank you. Uh, so then this person looks at me and goes, well, outside of, you know, the whole uh, gay, south side of Chicago, grew up in poverty, black type thing, what, what, what makes you you? Me? If we have a different, if we have an applicant just like you, um, from a community like yours with all those identities, why should we pick you and not them? And I was, I had uh. never heard anything like that. And I've heard some wild stuff. Yeah. But there was something about that and then seeing the room, which wasn't comprised of all white people. And mm-hmm. there was one person of color who did jump in and say, we're not, we're not going down that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was so side swiped by it that I was just I could not I knew you want to know what it was I knew in that moment that no matter how I answered that question I wasn't getting it's it a yeah. it's a dub it's a dub how yours. do I answer he this he dropped a ball and she I was just no. like okay. okay I was like there was no way I could recover there was no way I was gonna get that opportunity and it was just so crazy and I you know, I didn't say anything about being in poverty. At all. <laughs> like, there was, he added so many circles. Like, I said South Side Chicago, he was like, oh, like, oh poverty. So poverty. So, I, I already know. You know, there was so much that um, got added. And, yeah, it's just so crazy. And then my experience that, yeah, I have to say, my teachers are awesome. Super, super awesome. They, mm-hmm. listen, they really, really, really That's listen awesome. to me. Um, and I really, really value them. And I made the right choice of where to go to school. The thing is, my experience um, with some members of the student body is that we do so much EDI work um, or like equity, diversion, and inclusion, yeah. and that sort of stuff, that you get a lot of people who are like playing into this like elusiveness of diversity or like this 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 sexiness mm-hmm. of being woke, as I yeah. call it. So then you have people who will say, "Oh, I want to." Build a. I want to build a theater in this impoverished community, Stop. and I don't. I reject commercialism, and I want to give myself back, and I. I want to champion people of color and women, and da 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 da. And then you get into class with them. These are uh, non people of color, uh-huh. and they it's can't not cut, They can't not cut their classmates off. Exactly. They can't let people of color speak. They mm-hmm. can't let women speak. They can't. Don't be a woman of color. They can't. Child. There's no way Talk they can get it. a word in. But in front of all these these actors and in these missions statements Mm -hmm. it's I'm going to champion this for you and I know I want to take up this small amount of space because I know that I shouldn't be telling this story but you have no problem taking up space when we're in directing class you know what I mean and it's just 
crazy and wild to see that where you're just sitting there thinking well I actually belong to a lot of these communities yeah, yeah. and I see what you're putting out and um, I see the type of opportunities where you could probably win a grant to go do something for a community that you don't belong to and it's not actually genuine like you don't mm -hmm. like you're doing that because that's the moment that we're in yep. but would you be doing that 10, 10 years no, ago no because I would have been trying to tell black people stories black women's stories mm -hmm. queer people's stories 10 years ago and mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm the only one who can do that but where why Mm. And it's, I don't ask everyone why, but you can feel when you need to ask someone mm -hmm. yeah. why. It's and funny. I feel because that. Because it's disingenuous. It's, disingenu yeah. it's, it's very disingenuous. disingenuous. Like your personal politic don't match your rhetoric. Yes. Exactly like, that. Thank you, actors. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's super frustrating. And it's like all the reasons as to why like I wanted to have this episode. And just like for us to talk about what our experiences uh, has been like particularly I was thinking about again being from uh, different disciplines director actor playwright um, and being at uh, three very different schools but schools mm -hmm. that uh, we know has perceptions and that like people want to be a part of mm -hmm. but it's, it's sharing very uh, uh, candidly what our experiences has been like um, and 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 one thing because a lot of people come up to me and ask me, writers, um, about the program and um, like how to get into the program. Mm -hmm. And like that's like your journey is your journey. I can't tell you how to get into the program. I can share what my experience has uh, been like. And for uh, the writers of color, particularly like black writers, what I always say to them is, um, know exactly why you want to be there Facts. like know yeah. exactly why you want to be there for me i knew i wanted to be there one because of the name if i can be very honest with y'all yes. and then also yes. uh because of the like network and like mm -hmm. how juilliard's uh playwriting program is, is structured um they don't like they don't teach you shit. Mm -hmm. Um, they just have you bring in one play a year and you just talk, well, three plays a year and you talk about the plays, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's like designed in that way. So it's like, why do you want to be there? Like, mm -hmm. what do you think you'll gain from being there? And like having a very honest conversation with yourself about that mm -hmm. um, to be able to help you navigate through like once you're in there. And like I said, for me, one of the things like I had to do for my sanity is having to finish whatever play a few weeks ahead of time and having to have it read amongst all black people so that when I do bring it in, mm -hmm. um, knowing to gauge between content, um, craft, and culture conversations, mm -hmm. which is unnecessary work, which is extra work. It's again like work that being a black writer, a black queer writer that I know I have to do to make sure that once I present it in class, I'll know how to navigate the conversations mm -hmm. around my work. Mm -hmm. um, so like that's what I always say, like know exactly why you want to go where you're going mm -hmm. and what do you think you'll gain from it, yeah. which mm -hmm. I think is exactly. super important, mm -hmm. super mm -hmm. important. Um, so I'm so glad that y'all were here to have that Me conversation, um, which is like I was like, who I'm looking forward Me just, too. To, just to be able to, yes. just, to be able to talk about this with people who are in it right now, mm -hmm. in it right now. Um, and so let's let's move on. We're gonna get to our next section, okay. Okay. which is <laughs> I said what I said. And so that was Drew giving us. I said what I said. We miss you, Drew, um, and all of your uh, hypeness and all of the shade, even though like Drew is like, um, I'm not shady no more. Um, no more. A nigga still got his moment. Don't do that no more. Um, so, since 
It is just I here. I will share. Okay. This monologue. And so how this works, I think I share with y'all, but like just to reiterate, I'm gonna read a monologue. Okay. Um, and then through like script analysis, character analysis, all that good old jazz, figure out what the monologue is. Okay. Are we ready? We ready. Okay. All my life I had to fight. I had to fight my daddy. I had to fight my uncle. <laughs> so, you know, so, okay. okay, so let me, when you texted me about this, I was, <laughs> I was like, dang, he gonna pull out something, like some Adrian uh, Kennedy, or like, I said, I'm gonna really have to grind my gears for this, and then you start with that. Okay. So y'all know what it is? from the color purple. Come through. <laughs> and that's actually not the monologue. Okay, I was no, testing no. y'all. I was making sure y'all was ready. And y'all was up on this blackness. Okay. But now we're about to get into the real deal. Y'all ready for the real deal? This is the real deal. This is the one that we ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. 18 years ago, I was a baby. I've seen the pictures. I was cute. I was really cute. And you couldn't see me and love me and want me? How come you couldn't see yourself in my eyes? How come you couldn't feel like you was put here to protect me? How they rate? Does it just didn't matter? And you still don't see me, me, me. The first man who is supposed to love you is your father. You were supposed to love me first and the best. And how can anyone ever love me right if you couldn't love me first? Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm mad at the white girl because she took my man, but she didn't. They just don't see me. And I'm thinking, I don't like Taylor because she trying so hard to be seen, but I don't like her because she like me. She got the same holes in her, but all this time it was you. You deserve, I deserve to be seen. So what was that? Black what was woman that from? talking to her father. Come through. You better analyze. 18 years. So mm -hmm. she's 18 years 18 old. Years old mm -hmm, like around mm -hmm, that age. Mm -hmm. um, there is a white character. Yes. <laughs> we a got white. that right. <laughs> um, wow. I'm sort of just hung up on how beautiful it was. <laughs> right, yes. When I, I was like, oh yeah, this is the one. I wanted to make it real easy at first. So I give y'all the color purple <laughs> to drop down this with the realness. I knew. I know. This is the one that I was anticipating something along these lines. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Dig. And I mean, I don't want to add any pressure. Okay. But I'm going to add pressure by saying that so far, for the past maybe two and a half months, oh, don't, don't do. they were all guessed correctly. Oh, wow. So I don't want to add okay. no pressure to y'all right now by saying okay. that. But, but you just the, did. Okay. But for the past two and a half months, Niggas came in here and was like, oh, this is and that. And they slated. Okay. This is that. Okay. I feel so <laughs> bad. I don't know. A black woman experiencing erasure, 
especially from black men, it feels mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, black teen father. Yes. Experiencing erasure. Can we get Isn't... a time period? Can we get? Can we phone up? Where? Where? What clues? Do we yes, get? and so yeah. I, I was like, should I say this or should I not say this? But what I was thinking about, should I? Should I not say? Is that uh, in the past people have asked like questions to like probing questions to help. So okay. you asked about he threw us. He th- threw us <laughs> I know, right? I really did. I'm like, right. come through, my nigga. <laughs> come through, director and actor. Okay. Do what y'all do. Okay. And so the uh, question was, Chris, did you ask like time period? Uh, I don't. Would, would it be better to know the time period of the play or the time it was written? Come on, central questions. I think it would be better to know the time, time period of, uh, okay. of the play. Right? <laughs> I was going to say the time it was written. Oh, I mean, y'all go rock paper scissors shoot to figure <laughs> no, out let's which do, one let's you do want. It was written. Time, time, time period. It was, time written. was written. It was written in the two thousands. So it's fa- like fairly recent. Okay. Within like the past ten years, so it was was is, is very recent. Is written by, by a, black, a woman? black woman. It was written by a black woman. Okay. Yes. I, knew, I was like, it feels like getting there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait. Okay. In the early two thousands. Early two thousands. No. It doesn't sound like Susan Laurie. Remember, I said like the last. It was written within the two thousands, but within like the last ten years. Last ten years. years. The last ten, ten years. years. Okay. So, I'm gonna do a lot of math. Come on now. <laughs> Let's do it. There's I. Oh, when did Mountaintop come out? <laughs> I know that's right. Come on, man. <laughs> Mountaintop came out when I was a freshman. That was two thousand eleven. Yeah. So. That was like Katori. Yeah, okay, so that's one option. Then Dominique was out around that time Dominique too. Was out around that time. Okay. Lynn was out around that time too. I don't feel like this is Lynn. I don't know why. Okay. Do you feel like it's Lynn? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. <sighs> This. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. Like, I would say y'all y'all can ask like one or two more questions if you need to. But like I will say I'm I'm living. If y'all could just see them right now, like really <laughs> thinking and processing. This is everything. This is everything. This is what I said. What I said is mm-hmm. okay. So black woman playwrights. Yes. This is, I mean, this is honestly just a good conversation to have. Yes. Like naming black women playwrights. Exactly. Very <laughs> that. It doesn't sound like Lynn. I said it doesn't sound like Susan Laurie. I don't, I do not think it's Susan Laurie. I don't think it's Susan Laurie. I'd be Laurie. willing to. So I think that we can table her. We can her. go ahead. Y'all better talk okay. about the playwright's voice. Um, and you said it don't sound like Lynn. Right. To okay. me. Okay. I have been wrong before and I will be wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, can we make two different offers? If you want to, I mean that's never happened before. But if you want to, you can. Come on, this is this is our show. This is for us by us. Have we think... have we named who it's by? No. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's like that. Wow. We can table all of them. Oh, wow. And okay. I 
I will say, Drew, he sent me the Google Docs um, for this week. And like, I, I got to pick my own. I said what I said. But he, he in, in all capital letters, explanation point, this nigga want to do a little smiley face to make it softer. But make it a good one. And Drew, I feel like I made it a good one. Wow. Okay. Now I feel bad. That, okay. We just got just keep running the clock because I, I don't give up on this. Oh. <sighs> Chris? In the last 10 years. Do y'all want me to drop a hint? Yes. yes. I would love a hint. It was on Broadway. Oh, is oh. it... um? Uh, um, uh, y'all better snap. Y'all better uh, snap. Wait, wait, <laughs> Is it was it uh, a stick fly? Stick fly. Come Lydia through. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Hey. We did not mean to erase you, Lydia. Just take a second. Just take a second, Lydia. Come on through, my people, with the analysis. So uh, that was Cheryl's monologue from Stick Fly by Lydia Diamond, directed yes. by Kenny Leon, yes. and it was on Broadway. And what was that? 2000 and let me see, 2011. Um, it was on Broadway, and uh, the part that I read was um, on Broadway, performed by Condola Rashad, who yes. played yes. our show. Uh, we had Dulé yes. uh, Hill in there, Makai Pfeiffer, Tracy Toms, Ruben Santiago Hudson, okay. Rosie Benton, and of mm-hmm. course Condola Rashad playing Cheryl, what I just read. Yes, yes. So, Stick Fly by Lydia Diamond. Wow. Get into Lydia Diamond and more of her work, y'all. Come Two on. of my classmates did a scene from that. Really? Yeah, come through. Scene study class, so yeah. Come through, come through. Y'all was like, mm, what am I going to do? What am I going <laughs> to say? <laughs> No, but we got it. We got it. Now we can we can move. Weight off the shoulders. Yeah, Come on I feel through. very relieved. Like, y'all, because I, I will say, though, I was like, are these niggas going to be able to get it? <laughs> we was, have almost a three-month ooh, winning streak. Wow. No, I was, when you said we going to keep going, I was ready to give up. I'm glad I did. Uh, you got to like, push through. Push through to get to the other side. Right now. And we made it right on to the other side of... Oh, we miss you, Amber. Thank you so much. So let's get into these hot topics, y'all. Okay. Of some shit that happened this week. So it was announced that Hercules the Musical mm-hmm. will be dropping yes. at the Public Theater. Yes. Um, and so it's been said that uh, the musical, it will be uh, directed by Lair. I'm going to jack up her last name. Is it uh, Lear the Bassinet? Come through. Come on, director. <laughs> I was out there, like, and like, y'all, I looked at Chris, director Chris, because I knew he was going to be able to know the name of the director. Alley Oop, okay. Right? And so uh, she's uh, the director of it. Um, mm-hmm. And the creative team also includes uh, Christopher Diaz, uh, who will be writing the book, and choreography will be by uh, Chase Brock. And it will be at Public Theater this summer, mm-hmm. um, Shakespeare in the Park. Um, at the uh, Delacorte Theater, and that's in Central Park, and it runs August 31st through September the 8th. And so the thing about this particular production is they're talking about casting Hercules as uh, a black man. Yeah. Um, and having the, like, uh, demigods be black women. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really, really excited about that. I'm just curious, uh, what are your thoughts 
on that. I know for me, I'm super excited because I remember way back in the way back when I was in elementary and middle school and how like you know, I actually saw the meme saying this, like you knew it was going to be a lit day um, at school when they would like bring in the uh, TV the and the VCR. Oh, on the And I think about like watching uh, Hercules. So like, I'm super excited for this. I'm super excited. Like, what are like your thoughts? How do y'all feel about it? I'm very excited. I'm excited because it's going to be outdoors, and I think that that story lends itself to being outdoors. So true. I think that the landscape is going to be good for it. I think Lear does amazing work. I've seen a lot of her work, and I've really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she. Um, um, I I I saw. I think I think she directed it. I saw um, a production at Signature. Of um, Susan Laurie's uh, Venus. Mm. Did she direct that? I don't know. I'm familiar with all her stuff um, during public, but she does oh, like a show uh, uh-huh. during the summer at the public almost every year. Oh, wow. And um, the first thing I think I saw her do was she did the Odyssey with um, mm-hmm. Brandon. Oh, my goodness. One of my favorite performers. What's his? He was just in Rent Live. How dare I? Uh, Brandon oh. Victor Dixon. Yeah, Brandon uh-huh. Victor Dixon. So talented, but she did that and it was amazing. Really? So I really, I think it's in good hands. She's very creative, so I'm very excited to see what what comes from I'm, this. I'm excited too. I mean, let's just to keep it real. Everybody knows that the best part of Hercules is the music. Yes, <laughs> and the music, of course, in the movie is all black women singing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to finally have like a black god or a demigod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or something. I mean, that's. I mean, that I, I remember saying that one of the things that, you know, I want to see more of is, you know, black wizards and, and yeah. gods and superheroes yeah. and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And and why not? Why 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 Absolutely why can't why Hercules not? be played by a yeah. black man? A hundred percent. Or a black not? person or a black body. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't, you know. A hundred percent. Like, why it. not? So mm-hmm. I, I think that is really exciting. Um, then also, like, I have to be a little transparent of. It's a little side eye from me, or not so much a side eye, but just like I wonder um, with thinking about like who the book is uh, written by um, a Latin man that are it being directed by, um, um, I believe, a white woman, um, mm-hmm. a non-black person. Mm-hmm. So I just find myself curious as to like what is the thought process behind um, having Hercules mm-hmm. be this uh, black man when um, and then also like wondering why a black person isn't attached as a like director or like the writer of the book. Mm-hmm. So like the just being a hundred percent Danya, like those are just thoughts that cross mm-hmm. my mind as to like what's up with that. Like I, I, I wish I knew more of like the decision process as mm-hmm. to the team that they decided to tell and yeah. the way that they're deciding to present the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with that being said, I'm super excited um, for it and excited. Uh, to be able to see um, what's going to happen with this uh, black ass god. Yes, um, And so transitioning into like black icons. Uh, so iconic entertainer Gregory Hines has been honored with a Black Heritage series. Stamp. And so uh, there was a, a ceremony um, for the Tony winner. And uh, Savion Glover, who was there, uh, he he talked uh, very beautifully about like Savion, and he said, uh, "I don't exist without this man. Mm. These young people mm. that you see, they aren't born without this. We are not here today without this." And he's talking about um, Gregory Hines and like everything that Hines uh, was able to do. And some individuals uh, who joined him in the celebration was uh, Maurice Hines, who's an actor, dancer, cinema uh, choreographer, and Hines is a 
brother, uh, uh, Daria Hines, an actress, costume designer, and Hines' daughter. Um, and there were uh, other dancers and other individuals uh, just there to be able to um, celebrate this man. I think this is amazing. It's amazing. And really, like, interesting. It's and it, it, it feels like uh, more and more uh, that we're seeing... Um, these black iconic figures being honored in this way, yeah. um, which is really nice. Um, took them long enough. Took them long enough. Well, yes. I was gonna say, well, very well. Very that. Um, I would love to, um, and like, I get it. They wanna like capitalize and like sensationalize off of Black History Month, mm -hmm. but like, because it always feels like these stamps are rolled out during this time. Mm -hmm. So we can think of every like February, every Black History Month is going to be um, an amazing crumb. individual like <laughs> being honored with this little crumb. Um, but like, I, I would love this to be an ongoing thing, exactly. right? That's like I... in June, July, and October, it'll be like stamps with our like legends um, living and those who have passed away. Yeah. Um, but then also like, I don't know if it's like rules and stipulations of like, do you gotta be dead to be on a stamp? Do you know, it... I, I think so. I don't know of no lie. That's... I mean, What's don't get like... me wow. lying. Did be... Obama have a stamp? I don't think Obama, Did Obama has his fan. I know, like, and, and like, what what made me act this one is uh, Gregory Hines. Uh, rest in peace. Thank you for all of your work. Um, of and then also thinking about um, Maya Angelou, mm -hmm. and it was the, <laughs> it was a little like debacle because yeah. they used um, it was like a Ooh. saying. And everyone was saying that it was from Maya Angelou. Uh, and like somebody did some research. <laughs> it was like all these people, like Oprah, you consider Maya Angelou to be your mama. And you ain't know that this quote ain't from Maya Angelou. And it's on the quote. So literally, like, but thinking about that made me think, like, wait, do you have to be dead to be on the stand? I think you have like, to be dead to be on the stand. I, I think you have to be. I would not be surprised. That's... I have no evidence to dispute that. I mean, we got the Neither Googles. do I. We got to Google. So, like, as you're Googling to, like, figure that out, uh, I'm going to move on to our next hot topic, which is my boy, Ryan Jamal Swain, will make his Broadway hey, debut. Come on! Your boy. Yay. The news came out this week, and this is uh, Ryan from uh, Pose, who plays yes. a Damon on Pose so yes. beautifully. Uh, so he will be joining the cast of Tarava McCraney's Choir Boy. Mm -hmm. He'll be stepping in as a cover of the lead Ferris beginning February 26th, and this will mark his Broadway debut. He was seen, right? I'm he was through. seen um, off Broadway about maybe two or three seasons ago in uh, James Imes' Kill Move Paradise. Yes. And if y'all remember, yes. uh, another I said what I said, I did a monologue from um, Kill Move Paradise, uh, mm. which uh, uh, Ryan was in. Rest in and, peace, Sadiqi. Uh, yes, rest in peace. Let's give a moment of silence to Sadiqi really quickly. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. So yeah, uh, Ryan was in Kill Move Paradise, um, written by uh, James Imes, directed by Sahim Ali. Yes, yes. And uh, Ryan, he also wrote and he starred in a one-man show called A Negro Writer, which uh, is an adaptation from the autobiography of Langston Hughes' uh, The Big C. Um, I'm really excited yeah. about this. Like, I can 100% see Ryan, like, in that role, um, just jumping in um, and slaying. I saw it. it, I saw Quiet Boy maybe, like, three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and Jeremy was out, um, and Jonathan Burke, 
who um, was a part of the ensemble and also the understudy for Ferris. Um, I saw him in that role, and Jonathan was amazing. Yes, Jonathan. He was absolutely amazing. Like just the like the the like entire time from like beginning to end, how he would just so one hundred percent like in the body of that character and just yes. so full and so beautiful. Um, I, I really enjoyed. Um, seeing his work and like seeing that play particularly like I was so moved by like the second half um, of uh, that play and just like how the stakes just started to rise more and more and more I thought it was really really nice uh, did y'all have a chance to see I'm saying get my birthday Boy. weekend really yes I'm let's so get excited. it this is so good and it got extended for like what was it a second or third yeah. time yeah it's just come on now That's come on work. these extensions all right I got I got that knowledge okay, okay. come on drop drop us with drop that knowledge here, here it is so this was published by CBS News, September 28th, 2011, Ooh, shit, Washington. Okay. For the first time, living people will be eligible to be honored on the U.S. postage stamps. The U.S. Postal Service announced Monday that it is ending its longstanding rule that stamps cannot feature people who are still alive, and it's asking the public to offer suggestions on who should be first. Since January 1st, 2007, the requirement has been that a person must have been deceased five years before appearing on a stamp. Wow. Before that, the rule was 10 years. By tradition, former presidents are remembered on a stamp in the year following their death, but that doesn't apply to ordinary citizens. Mm. Wow. So... Now officially, yes, living people can be on stamps. Wow, and but it's like the like criteria, like what, like that five year period. What yeah. was that five years? Let me let me bring that up again. Okay, living people. Yes. Okay. We can be on a stamp. We can be on a stamp. I can see myself on my stamp. Come through. <laughs> Could you imagine? Come on, I get that to see it. Crazy. Could you imagine, like, like licking the back of my head, putting it on an envelope? That's what? me. That's me right there. I see me all. I think now anybody's eligible. But yeah, okay. that five-year span had to do with you had to be dead at least five years oh. before you could even be eligible, eligible. to appear on a stamp. Oh, and deep. that was in 2007. So be pre-2007, you had to be dead for 10 years. Oh. Yeah, ain't that some... crazy as stipulations. <laughs> <laughs> Who make these rules? I... White people. Man, I'm dead. What, that part. What is the function? <laughs> like, what is the function? And uh, wondering, like, what is the function? And wondering, like, what is the T behind uh, our next hot topic is NBC cancels hair live. Ooh. So, uh, hair live was, um, was announced that. Um, it was going to air on the network, which is NBC, mm -hmm. uh, May 19th with uh, director, Broadway director, um, Diane, is it Paulus? Mm -hmm. Diane Paulus. <laughs> you keep looking uh, at <laughs> I do. Black director. <laughs> I literally do like, <laughs> can you help me out here to make sure I'm on the right track? Um, but and so uh, she was going to be the director. I'm at the helm, and she was going to be re reprising her uh, position mm -hmm. from the 2009 Tony-winning revival. Mm. Um, but it was said that uh, NBC is canceling uh, Hair Live, and is this? Uh, and so Paul Teller. I'm going to jack up his last name. Uh, Is he a director? Look. Tell a <laughs> something. I'll just say Paul T. What's, how do you pronounce his last name? Oh, mm, I don't want to go there either. It's some <laughs> Paul, some white name, some white last name. <laughs> and George Cheeks, co-chairman of NBC Entertainment, said in a statement, live musicals are a part of the network's DNA. 
Um, that's a little bit of a key to me because it just seemed like it's, it's now a part of the, the DNA once started to become popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but they say uh, live musicals are a part of the network's DNA, and we are committed to continuing that tradition with the right show at the right time. Mm-hmm. Since these shows are such enormous undertakings, we need titles that have a wide appeal, and we're in the process of acquiring the rights to a couple of new shows that we're really excited about. This sounds a little shady to me. Yeah. It sounds a little shady. It's because it's so broad. It could, there, I don't there like when they use that political language. A thousand it's, it's factors that did. It's so broad. So that it just make your mind just go like, it could have been. Like, this, been. Before reading this, um, I thought that. Be, so, so granted, like Rent Live was on Fox, which mm-hmm. is a different network. Mm-hmm. But just uh, thinking about like how that panned out. And how and we talked about it like last week of uh, it was pretty much like a recording of them like marking it. Um, mm-hmm. So like us, the viewer not being able to like really get the full scope of it and just like how it panned out overall and how um, some people will argue it was a hot fucking mess. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if that could have been like a factor into NBC saying, hey, you know what, we won't be doing hair live. Uh, thinking about what this musical grin on another channel mm-hmm. was given, how it was received. We don't want to take that quote-unquote chance on this one. Um, but uh, I think you are right, Chris. In terms of, like, the language of the statement, it could, like, be looked at in so many different ways. Is it they had talent, but the talent wasn't big enough, so they decided yeah. to, like, wait for it? Is it they have, like, other things in the work and they want to focus more energy in that? Like... NBC, what's going on here? I'm, I'm really side-eyeing that, that part of the sentence that says, since these shows are such enormous undertakings, we need a title to have... Wait, 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 wide wait. appeal. Wide appeal. Oh, no, the, and we are committed to continuing this tradition with the right show at the right time. Like, what does that mean? What? Yeah. Like, I'm sure y'all already knew ahead of time that y'all were going to do this, mm-hmm. and y'all, I would imagine, figured out the date ahead of time Mm -hmm. so like now what has changed with like y'all thought process of the that date not working this show not working and like i said for me i really do think i could be 100 percent wrong but i I wonder if uh rent live uh has something to do with this decision i also Um, feel like hair is a very political musical mm -hmm. and we're in a very you know a hotbed political time right now and it's a lot of i mean it's a lot of it's a lot of things that get touched on in that that musical, especially with like free love and the war and, yeah. and I don't know if there is there any like immigration in it as well for hair or something like that, but I don't know. It's a lot. I'm not super familiar with hair, but I was really looking forward to seeing what Diane Pauls was gonna do with it because mm. she's dope. Mm-hmm. I love her shows. She's mm. very 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 good. She's very um I've worked I've worked with her a few times and she's one of the people who does have that when we were talking about being genuine yes mm-hmm. she does have that about mm. her and you can tell like she just puts a lot of time into like who is um who her assistants are and if and making sure that there are people from the communities that she represents on the creative team there's oh, a lot yeah, there's yeah. a lot of little uh it's not little work it's actually really big work but there's a lot of work that goes unnoticed that she does in her team building mm-hmm. which is why her shows are so good mm. so i was looking forward to seeing what she was going to do with that so I'm 
a little salty about uh, that. But yeah, there is there's a little a, a little a little <laughs> a little shadiness <laughs> going on in there. Um, but speaking of things that actually will be coming into existence and that actually are happening, I'm super duper excited uh, to share that Adrian Warren will star in Tina, the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. Ooh, is come through so she has uh been for a while now um in this exact role Mm -hmm. um over in london uh the west end and from what like what i've been hearing is she has been tearing it up i saw it twice you did (laughs) i was at first preview in the front row (laughs) and it was everything wasn't it Oh, you got your life. It was so <laughs> good. You know like how you sit through certain performances mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, this is going to change is your life. Yes. Like mm-hmm. it was the feeling yes. that I felt when I saw Cynthia in the color purple. Oh. Was the feeling that I felt when I saw Really? Yeah, and she sings something crazy like 25 songs by herself. Wow. Like there are more than 25 Excuse songs me? in the show, I believe. Wow. And she sings 25 songs. Wow. And she sings them well and she's Man, I mean, it's just, you just sit there and you're like, how? How can you sustain this? You know, like, that amount of songs, you got people who can't sustain singing six songs eight times a week. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and she's going through 25, two show days. You know, I mean, there's an alternate, but still 25 shows, 25 songs, six times a week. So I can't even imagine... I remember one time I was like joking around in my house and I was being a full out entertainer <laughs> for one song and I was over it. Okay. I was She's tired. The dance, Tina Turner, uh, the okay. dancing and all of that, getting Lord. beat, the stage combat. So I can't I mean, even it's a imagine. It's an, you and Yeah, like the, 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 the fullness of it and like I'm 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 so like curious to see it. Um and super fascinated because uh for me and I think like a lot of other black people we think about what's love got to do with it and we think about like Angela Bassett and how like she's so now synonymous to Tina Turner so I'm exactly so I'm really looking forward to seeing like Adrian like how she's able to like get into um, Tina Turner like slay and turn it out and um, Adrian she said "Uh, working on this show has been a life changing experience for me Tina's unshakable courage, grace, and determination have been our constant inspiration, and I am honored to have had the opportunity to be part of telling this story of her. It has been an amazing year in London, working with the incredible Philida Lloyd. Philida Lloyd? Yeah, Philida Lloyd. Okay, look at uh, you. Katori, <laughs> come through. And the creative team in a city that has welcomed me with open arms. Returning home to Broadway in this role and in this show is a dream come true. And it's currently running um, the West End through April 13th of this year. And it tickets. will be coming the end of this year. Please get your tickets this fall um, to Broadway. Um, and they recently uh, released uh, the first single, um, and it's like a video of it, uh, the iconic song, uh, River Deep, Mountain High, mm-hmm. uh, which you can be able to see like the video for, which I know is going to be 100% stellar. Beast. And I cannot wait for it. Um, and Tina Turner herself has said, I'm so proud of everything that Adrian has achieved over the last year in the West End. She has given it everything she's got. She has poured her soul into it, and she deserves every success. I am thrilled she will be reprising her role in New York, and I cannot wait to see her on that Broadway stage on opening night. Come on, Mother Tina Turner. You don't need an award. You got that. Come on, Tina Turner. Like, let the folks know what you really think. Okay. Come on through. So I'm I'm, I'm so excited. I'm very happy for her. This is 
it's going to be major for her. And she's like, awesome. Like, everything she's been in, killed, crushed. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah. Wow. And, like, and I, 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 I saw it was something. I, I think I think maybe you posted it. Um, yeah, you posted it, Chris. It was um, like Uh-oh. a video of her uh, oh, yeah. like performing. And like you were going off. I'm like, let, let me get into this. Because you know how sometimes some people can be so hyped for something. Yeah. And you see and you're like, okay. But no, it was everything. It was, yeah. it was every single thing. Everything. So I cannot and wait to what see I what this is. You know what I appreciate about her? Mm-hmm. She, like when she does her public uh, performances or like her TV performances, she sounds the exact same. Really, mm. she don't like she don't she don't get on TV and try and over sing or option up. Uh huh. What you see on TV is what she gonna do in that theater. She I don't know, right. she don't do nothing. She do what she, she's gonna do the best she can. The that's best she can. Uh, and she's gonna give it. Yes. And she's gonna give it. And and while we're in the space of talking about uh, Broadway musicals, so we talked about uh, Michael Jackson, his bio musical. Don't stop till you get enough. Will now it's 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 we talked about it going to Broadway and it's like on that trajectory because it will open um, in Chicago ahead of its Broadway run. Wow. Um, so the music is inspired by the life of the deceased pop icon uh, Michael Jackson, and the title for it, like we said, is "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." It's still in development. Um, after a reading in June of last year, the musical is named after Jackson's, of course, we know his classic song mm-hmm. from. The 1979 album Off, Off the, the Wall, wall. Um, and it will incorporate uh, Jackson's music catalog. Um, and we also talked about that the two time Pulitzer Prize winner Lynn Nottage is attached to the book. Um, it will be the writer, and uh, Christopher uh, Wilden will direct and choreograph. Um, so I think this is this is really amazing, it, at least from like my understandings and seeing of like the trajectories of like musicals of um, just them going through this like process of like kind of like filling what the musical is, filling mm-hmm. it out to really shape it mm-hmm. through like this like mm-hmm. tour of going to different cities um, before it gets on Broadway. So I'm really happy that it's like on that trajectory to like really help shape and like really figure out the nuances of what the show is before it comes to Broadway. I think about, we just talked about um, the Tina Turner musical, and yeah. last week we were talking about um, Ain't Too Proud and how it had that trajectory, and that's another show that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, Ain't Too Proud, I'm looking forward yeah. to that one. Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's really nice to hear that um, Michael Jackson's his bio musical is getting that same. Mm-hmm. We get um, our entire yeah. life. We get our entire <laughs> life. Got Temptations, okay. we got we get, Turner. We get everything. <laughs> are there, um, are there like, and it's, it's so many to like think of and name, but I'm still just going to ask the question: Are there like any songs uh, from uh, the Michael Jackson musical that y'all are like? Oh, like I want this to be in there. I'm excited. Remember the time. Remember the time. Oh, I was just going to say that. <laughs> Come through. I was just going to say on, that. Chris. Yes. Come through. Remember the time. Um, uh, uh, dangerous. Dangerous. Ah. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. I I I will say I don't know if this is like one of his like biggest songs, but for me it was like I put this song on repeat. I don't even know how this song honestly will work in a musical, y'all. But like his song Butterflies. Mm. Oh, oh my gosh! I would live for that. I probably I'm going to listen to it after this episode. Of That's course. how much I love it. But I love um, that song too. I don't I like I don't know how it would function in a musical. Uh-huh. Like how would they like dramatize it? Um, but I would I, I would love to just. 
And then also, like, you need a little bit of, like, that softness yeah, in there, too. Of so Let's see what that's that the, was that's criminal. That's the love song. Come I want through. them to do it the lean on stage. stage. On the butterfly. Ooh, I, uh, they <laughs> got to do the lean on stage. that into him having his first baby. Actually, let me just not throw it off. <laughs> 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 okay, you're like, hold on. Let me hold on to like, these ideas. Let me hold on to this for my own. Let me stop. Let somebody pay you for that. Let somebody pay you for that. And it just seems like we are on, like, a musical kick right now because I want to talk about In the Heights, uh, uh, Lynn uh, uh, Manuel Miranda's um, wait Drew jacked his name up all the time and I feel like I just jacked his name Manuel? up Manuel because Man- Man- Drew always say Manuel so I literally said <laughs> Manuel, like Manuel and like I literally had to stop myself real quick I said wait a minute I'm not going to keep on going with that okay Lin-Manuel Miranda there you go um, In the Heights uh, his musical is now going to go to the screen yes and uh, we have learned uh, news has come that Corey Hawkins uh, will play Benny come yes. through Corey yes, come through that. so I um I never saw In the Heights, so I've like never seen it yeah I don't know uh, like this character that he's going to play, mm-hmm. but I'm super excited um, that he is going to be up in there. Um, Corey Hawkins is uh, we know him from Straight Outta Compton, and mm-hmm. then also he the last time he was on Broadway he was in Six Degrees of Separation, mm-hmm. which I think might have been like two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an amazing actor, yeah, yes, amazing, gorgeous actor. actor. Come oh, through, so I'm super excited um, to see what he's going to like bring and what he's going to give. And it was also previously uh, announced that um, Anthony uh, Ramos, who was in Hamilton, and he's uh, currently in uh, She's Gotta Have It on Netflix, uh, he will lead the film as the uh, bodega own, as the bodega owner, um, Yusnavi? I think I might have said that right. Yusnavi? Come on through, Yusnavi. Um, and so I'm... Uh, I'm just really excited for Corey. Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, I'm happy for him. What it's going to give? That's a blessing, blessing, blessing. Come through. Like, it's, and it's this surgence is filled, like, uh, and then, like, for the last four Hot Topics, it's been on musicals. Of, like, mm-hmm. musicals are just, like, out there in yeah. terms of not just, like, on the stage, but on the screen, whether it's, like, the TV screen or, like, the big screen being adapted, which I think is so amazing and 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 for me is um a testament of how powerful theater is Mm -hmm. and like how necessary theater is and how theater can exist in a multitude of different spaces Mm -hmm. um so i'm really excited and also that our our culture and our music doesn't have to be you know it these are classics now Mm -hmm. it's not like the 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 white musicals and the i mean all of these are just what ain't too proud to beg like yeah. Tina Turner, uh, even uh, in the Heights. I mean, yeah. they don't con- they don't conform themselves to the regular yeah. white musical theater standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So our music is like it's it's popping. A hundred percent. And I just want to like uh, breeze through some of these other hot topics really quickly before we get to our listener letters. Um, so there will be uh, uh, a Broadway bound story for Harry Belafonte. In his life. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so it says uh, that the, broad, the Broadway stage writes for the life story of the 91-year-old great American singer, songwriter, actor, and activist Harry Belafonte had been obtained by Broadway producer Ken Davenport of Once on This Island, Spring mm-hmm. Awakening, um, and it will be coming to uh, Broadway. A timeline, creative team, and casting uh, for the as-yet-untitled new musical uh, to be announced at a later date um to come on through yes, i think it's to be really yes, really nice yes. mm-hmm. 
Like these musicals are coming out, coming y'all. Out. They are churning these Just bad boys all the way the place. out. And thinking of like celebrating musicals, um, the cast of Disney's The Lion King, mm-hmm. Frozen, and Aladdin, um, all on Broadway, Broadway musicals, um, have been celebrated for this Black History Month. Um, and so what it says is like cast members from The Lion King um, and again, cast members from Frozen, from Aladdin, um, our beautiful black folks uh, were uh, brought together and kind of celebrated in this uh, beautiful video uh, that you can go online and see um, and this uh, beautiful like photo uh, shoot that happened with them. Uh, just like celebrating blackness on like the Broadway stage and like what does it look like um, to be beautiful. able to like, exactly, that's exactly what it looks like to be able to see ourselves I'm up there and uh, reflected and just seeing like all of that melanin come through. And our final hot topic, thinking of like the beautiful melanin. And we talked about like icons. We talked about like gods and goddesses. Let's talk about Cicely Tyson being on the cover of Time magazine. Stunning. 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 So Cicely Tyson, uh, she was on Grace Us, I should say. Um, We're lucky enough to have seen this uh, cover with her Mm. on the magazine. And she just talks about her love of um, acting and like what it means to her. And uh, there was a guest editor, uh, the amazing filmmaker, Ava DuVernay, um, who was a part of it as well. And like, that's that's what I love so much, y'all, just to see a community come together and like just celebrate each other and yes. celebrate like our living legends, like giving them flowers while they're here yes. right now, which yeah, I while think they're is here. Abs- yeah. yes. Like while they're here. Give me here. my verses now. And like, Cicely is here and kicking y'all, 94 Ooh, years old. And she said, like, she has no plans to, like, to retire, to retire right now. She's like, I'm look, still tell this, is, this is my purpose. This yeah. is why I'm here right now. And I still have breath in my lungs. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still going to do my purpose. And if, if y'all get a chance, please check out. Um, this outfit. Check it out. She's wearing. so gorgeous. So gorgeous. So gorgeous. Um, but, yeah, so that's everything in our hot topics. And I want to end it off with our listener Letters. Okay. Are we ready? We're ready. Okay, so we have two. Okay. Um, this first one is, so last week, uh, Lloyd A. Webb was here. Mm-hmm. Um, she has uh, at MCC The Light, which is opening tonight, like, as we speak. Hey. Um, the Light is opening at MCC, and it's the first play in their new space. Um, so she is With breaking ground. the black director. A black Hey! Uh-huh. Black yes. woman. Come hey. through. Come through. And, like, that entire cast is well, that entire creative team is beautiful and gorgeous. Um, and I, I, I saw it on this past Wednesday, and it was everything. Mm. Just and I, and I, I had to tell Lloyd that it's so nice uh, to be able to tell and to be able to feel when like black writers are writing for us and to be able to feel that love that like they have for us um, throughout the entire story is a beautiful two-hander of this uh, couple just navigating um, what it means um, to, as Lloyd beautifully said, seeing these three parts in their relationship when they're in joy, when they're in pain, and when they're in redemption, like navigating mm. through that. And it's such a beautiful story. Um, so I recommend everyone go see it um, okay. and celebrate Loy. Mm-hmm. And so what made me say that is uh, our first listener letter is a, a response to last week's episode, and this is from Cecilia. She says, this is to you, Loy, uh, so I hope you're listening. She says, Dear Loy Aweb, 
You said you're a fan of Off Book and listen every week, so I hope you hear this one. Wednesday night, I was gifted a ticket to see your show, The Light. I was gifted twice that night. I can go on and on about how beautifully, intellectually, and well-written your play was. I was on the journey with these characters. Moments of laughter and pain were placed perfectly throughout the piece. Not even knowing it, I was holding my breath until the final blackout, mm. where I made an audible sigh of release. Mm. There was therapy, and your love letter to black women was received in my heart, and for that, I thank you. Last week, you spoke about how Dominic Mariso has inspired you, and I just wanted to let you know that you've inspired me. Mm. Our stories being told by us, for us, is so necessary. And I want to say share that one more time. Our stories being told by us, for us, mm. is so necessary. So again, thank you. And bravo to the cast, Mandy Mastin and McKinley Belchler III for their amazing work and staying true to these characters, Genesis and Rashad, from beginning to the very end. Oh, and that set was to die for <laughs> manifesting my future apartment. You and me both, Cecilia. So congratulations, Lloyd. I cannot wait to read and see more of your work. Blessings, Cecilia. And she has a P.S. Uh, for those who are listening, especially black women, please try and head over to the MCC Theater and watch The Light, Peace and Love. Mm. So we wanted for you to hear that, Loy, um, because as much as you were last week talking about how Dominique um, Mariso has inspired you, mm. um, we just wanted to let you know that you are inspiring individuals mm. as well with uh, your beautiful work and just who you are. And our final listener letter is kind of like, on par to like why I wanted to have this conversation with us. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a question from uh, Dylan, who's a college student, and uh, and I think I can say his name because sometimes y'all these list these listener letters are like, don't say my name, y'all, like <laughs> don't put me out there like that. Mm. So I hope I can say your name. So he says, uh, "Hi, family, it's your brother." First off. I want, and then also they be going into dissertations, y'all. So prepare yourself, because yeah, I'm already looking at like, like this about to be a dissertation. All right, we're gonna let you live. So, right. hi family. What's good? It's your brother. First off, I want to thank you for creating this platform. I am I am currently a, a junior musical theater major at a prestigious but melanin-starved PWI oof, drama oof, program, oof. Okay. and have learned more about life as a black artist in the theater and in life than my program could ever uh, teach me wow. and they don't mm -hmm. so I thank you for continuing to inspire young artists I listen to this podcast when I'm having rough days and am almost immediately reminded that my story my body and my spirit take up space and I don't have to engage in work that doesn't acknowledge them yes. and doesn't wish to come yes. on through Thank you for giving me permission to do so without feeling like I'm never, ever going to work in this business. So my question, today I found out by Broadway Black, of course, that Hercules is being made into a musical, which we talked about, mm -hmm. which is long overdue. I know I'm being obnoxious with all these uh, parentheticals. Y'all leave me alone, because this nigga got parentheticals and top of parentheticals <laughs> and top of parentheticals. Oh. But come on through. <laughs> and that the production would be looking to cast an African-American Hercules. Mm -hmm. 
This excited me for so many reasons, being that this is one of my favorite movies and the image of an African-American demigod who beat death itself on stage would be immeasurable and immeasurably beautiful. On Facebook, I saw that a white man was talking about the was talking about the decision taking away opportunities from other POC and why only African Americans. First of all, mind your business. Yep. This bothered me as it felt like it was villainizing the decision to cast blacks as opposed to calling out the American theater for using actors of color as promotional candy. Mm -hmm. I responded sharing my thoughts, some of which were supported by conversations had on this very podcast. And he continued to respond, telling me that casting a black actor in a role is basically excluding other actors of color from getting the role. Or, exactly, sigh. Or, in white people terms, oh, a racist black person. Finally. Mm. He also used vernacular like exclusively black. And if you didn't like it, if, if you if you don't like it done to you, why are you doing it to others? Long story short, am I wrong for being angry? I understand that this is a huge issue with including other groups of color within this ever-growing conversation and ever-going conversation about race in America, even though it's primarily because the system was curated to specifically keep black people in bondage from the start. I also understand that wanting a black Hercules is not a bad thing. It's not, it's not taking away anyone's uh, gig, in my opinion. Thoughts? Thanks. Thanks for reading. Uh, keep on shining, uh, Dylan. He says, P.S. Sorry for the four-act play. I had to give y'all the whole arc. And you gave us the whole live yes, arc. Yes, did. Okay. Um, like I said, they be giving dissertations Chicobian on this. Chekhovian drama with the four-act. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so what are y'all thoughts <laughs> in terms of um, them casting uh, a Black Hercules? and But more so uh, when you have white folks out there saying, oh, like, that's not fair. It shouldn't just be black people. It should be open to all people of color. Um, what are your thoughts on it, that? It'd it be the same people that say that stuff but don't ever speak up when it's all white people in the play. A hundred percent. Or they don't speak up when, like, the casting literally says, like, oh, we're looking for this Caucasian person to play this. But, like, it's not a race play. So, like, can't nobody else go in for it as well? Mm -hmm. Like, I have no problem with if this be, if this is being intentional by the director or the playwright or the uh, the producing company or institution that's putting it on, if they want to have it be all black, then like, what's the problem? Yeah, yeah, I, and I and I just think it's um, I, I I try not to give energy to shit like this. Um, one because it's exhausting. Yep. Um, and there's so many other things that I could be like focused on and thinking about. Mm -hmm. And like, why are you calling out marginalized people, some of the most marginalized people, mm -hmm. for being able to get opportunities? To be like, seen. why aren't you calling out? Why aren't you calling in? Why aren't you having a conversation mm -hmm. with the larger institution, right? With mm -hmm. these larger systemic issues at play, opposed to saying, oh, like, you black people, like, this isn't fair. You shouldn't be doing this. When, in all honesty, 
this is something that is like for us and we're going to like use it and we're going to be able to propel with it and you should be talking about like the American theater as a whole mm-hmm. and why the American theater has been like marginalizing so many people for so long mm-hmm. um, do you have any thoughts about it Chris? yeah I do I mean first of all it's extremely inappropriate for him for the person to have who made those comments to have made those comments mm-hmm. um, because I, I, it just for uh, for I don't even know what to say. Give me a second to get up my <laughs> thoughts. But his skin privilege and his just like privilege as a white person, mm-hmm. again, you can be an ally, but you your voice and like yes, advocate for other people of color, but like your voice can't be louder than the people that you're advocating. Not at all. Right. Mm. So the thing with that is like the the issue isn't that there's a black Hercules, right? The issue is that there's a lack of roles for marginalized people, full stop, Mm -hmm. okay? And there are ways and capitalist and imperialist systems that are making it, you know, that are giving black people the opportunities that they should have been given from the beginning. Facts. Mm -hmm. And that people are capitalizing on the greatness of black people that we've always been, that haven't, um, that haven't presented themselves as as, as easy to capitalize on in other communities. Mm. That's what needs to be criticized, is that there needs to be more opportunities for people of color, period. It's not about taking this opportunity that's been given to a black person and giving it to another mm-hmm. person of color. It's about disrupting and dismantling the whole system so that we are truly equitable and you see like, oh, like there are roles for, there are roles for all types of people and there are roles where it doesn't matter and the people who are occupying these roles where it doesn't matter are they look like they look like the world that we live in and the world mm. that we want reflected back to us. So no. Um, yeah. <laughs> simply no. And the and this is just another example of trying to be an ally to something that you fundamentally cannot understand. And mm-hmm. because you cannot fundamentally understand, you can never do more than support. And that was a total overstepping on this Facebook commenter's part. It was like another uh, instance of like, again, your politic and your rhetoric just don't Don't match match. I'm still in this, so I'm going to be, this is my new new thing. And yeah, I'm going to be like, your politic isn't matching. And also like, oh, uh, your personal politic needs to match your, 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 your rhetoric. Okay. And it's not, they just don't. And I mean, for Dylan out there, you don't, like, I, again, I'm with you, Donna, like, I don't. I I, I, used, I went through that phase of like, oh, every single comment, like, yeah. I get that fire and I want to fight. And, that, and it's like, wh- why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why, why am I going out of my way to center your bigoted, racist, white privileged point of view, you know, putting more like energy and like mm-hmm. uh, 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 concentration and like going out of my way. I could be working on so much other stuff. I could be calling my mom. I could be exactly. fostering like these other black relationships around me and building them up. But instead I'm here trying to have like a Facebook argument, mm-hmm. which is not even going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like in, in, in all honesty, like we we hope and we want to be able to like change people's thought process and their minds and like their hearts. But that's not always going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not always going to be the case. And, like, I had to learn that for myself. And I had to figure out, like, what are my battles? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to put energy towards? And why mm-hmm. am I going to put energy towards mm-hmm. that? And this is one of the things that you're not taking my nope. energy. Mm-hmm. You're that's, not You're not going to take my energy. And you are not wrong at all. <laughs> and just rest assured in knowing that you aren't wrong at all. Yeah. 
And and also, I just want to say one more thing because I just feel like I'm on this kick where it's just like, even if this person was trying to be an ally, what he doesn't realize is that inevitably he's helping perpetuate divide and conquer because now he wants people of color mm-hmm. to have an issue with this other person, with this black person who yeah. is also a person of color, to get that role. And it's just it's just putting people of color against, against each, each other. other when we didn't create the system in the first place it's, it has it there's no investigation of the system that this person who put this facebook comment on online benefits from you just even in you trying to advocate for other people of color you have manifested your toxicity by putting people of color against each other your mm-hmm. best effort to champion a community that wasn't yours was violent yeah, and so, which is why your voice cannot be at the forefront facts. of someone else's facts. liberation. Facts. And what I'll say to you, um, uh, Dylan, is no, you weren't wrong for feeling angry. Um, and like, I really hope that you're able to find a way to like release that energy because you talked about once you found out this news about Hercules um, and about Hercules being like a black. Uh, person and it was so much joy. I hope you get back into that yes. space because, like, that's the space that you deserve to be in yep. with this news. And don't let this person or anyone else, for that matter, like take that joy away from you because no. it's yours and you deserve it. So I hope you get back into that space. Yes. Um. So that's our last listener letter. Okay. That's it, y'all. This was so oh much. Oh my fun. god. This is, so, this is a blessing. So much, this and I just blessing. um. Uh, want to uh, end on if it's again really wanting to have this conversation and so excited for this conversation to be about um, black students um, and uh, and like white institutions um, is there anything that like y'all can say to uh, black students out there that are in white institutions in terms of like how to navigate through yeah like any tips that you can give before we leave I would say just remember that this is black students these are your this is your craft like this is your art form like the west doesn't have any the west doesn't have any relationship to art that it hasn't been appropriated or come from colonialism mm-hmm. so like this is yours you may be in the mm-hmm. minority in the program that you're in but fundamentally what this is and what it's made from and the heart that it comes from is something that is in your blood and it's yours and that's something that you can't that's something that you just can't fake and that can't be made up for. So take pride in the fact that this is this is your art form. Like this is this is your your people have created this. This is in yes. you, and yes. other people may be able to learn and grasp it, but it's it's not the same. Like when it's in you, yeah. Um, so it's 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 yours. And if anything, when you're in these spaces, you're reclaiming space. They haven't given you anything. They're benefiting from you being there because you're reclaiming the space that should have been yours from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I mean, the biggest thing I would say is that just always keep in mind, first and foremost, that, like, you belong to yourself. Amen. And, like, I remember, I mean, just grow, just being an undergrad, wanting so much to be validated by my white professors and by this mm. white institution, and then realizing that, like, oh, they can't give me that validation because they don't see me in the first place. Mm. I mean, trying to, me putting stock and worth and trying to get them to see me, I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm Because I'm saying that, like, I'm only worthy if I'm owned by them. Mm. My, you know, if, mm-hmm. if they can, if they have, if they put their chains on me, if I'm owned or if I belong to somebody else, then that means that like I'm worth something. That I have value. Uh, but like, you already have value to begin with, and you don't need to place, you know, any worthy or or justification in trying to get these white people to 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 stamp you and validate you mm-hmm. and say good job and da da da. No, you 
your your blackness speaks for itself. Your yeah. blackness speaks for, for itself, itself, and it 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 it. it, it it's there and it exists and mm-hmm. it's celebrated. And with that in mind, I agree with what both of y'all said. And I would just add to the um, equation of find your tribe. Yes. Find your community mm-hmm. of um, other melanated folks that yes. you can like be around. Uh, they can like build you back up and that like you can help build up and that y'all can just be there together to like celebrate each other and to like have the joy that we have when when we're together. And if you are in a space where you are the only one, um, I would say like find someone that you can reach out to. Find something, whether it is Broadway Black, whether it is like listen to this podcast because I've, I've, I've heard so many many uh, individuals say that like they are the only one but they listen to the podcast and like that is what mm-hmm. lifts them up yes. so on top of what like these two amazing individuals just said I will also say like find your community and allow your community like build you up um, and to be there with you and to celebrate you because um, this is like a small moment and something so large and so big and so grand um, so thank you all again thank so much. Um, yes. And I will say, I'm, I'm looking over at this clock, and it is over two hours. Oh. And I, like, <laughs> literally, y'all, I came in here, and I was like, because I'm i I'm on you all the time of, we can do 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit 90 minutes. And I came in here like, this episode will be 90 minutes. I'm going to show you how it's done. And we are over two hours. I don't know how we got there. What the fuck? So we are about to be out of this B.I. It. Thank y'all so much. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank we you. just hit our mark. And as always, bye, my niggas. Yes. See y'all later. Come on, Chris. We good to go? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.